Hello and welcome to the next episode of the podcast, a cannabis podcast for budding enthusiasts. This episode, as always, was brought to you by our amazing sponsors, Seeds Here Now, best seed bank in the game, guarantee on germination and satisfaction. Don't fuck with anywhere else. 420 Australia, number one store for lifestyle and apparel. Get onto it. Don't be a scrub. And finally, organic gardening solutions. If you truly want to grow the best flower, you're going to hit them up. There's no choice. Also, just want to give a quick little shout out to our Patreon gang. Everyone on there, you guys are the lifeblood of the show. This is really what helps the show to happen. It's been helping me out a lot, guys, in terms of keeping the wheels running. And we've got some new shows in the works. Make sure to check it out, yeah? On this episode, we have Dungeon Vault Genetics. Big fan of this guy. I've been trying to get him for a long time. Really excited for it. Let's jump into it, guys. Here we go. Alrighty, so a big thank you and welcome to the man behind all the insane grandpa breath crosses you've undoubtedly seen. Thank you to Eric of Dungeon Vault Genetics for joining us. Thanks, man, for having me. No worries. So, the first question i got to ask you, I feel like it's almost like obligatory at this point. How do you feel about Granddaddy Purple? The strain? Yeah. I love it. It's, uh, it's, it's a good strain. I feel like classic i'm I'm from california originally so from the time that i first discovered some really good perps till now even you all have that we have the same opinion we call it we just call it the perps we have that it's got that that purple smell whatever but the cut of kin's gdp that i bred with and the one that i'm so familiar with um a lot of people say came from the urkel family um, and if that's the case, then it seems like I might need to dig more into the purple Urkel lines because it's got that it's it's very it's just a great plant in general. I think the for medicinal values and uh, um, breeding wise, everything it's just it's a it's perfect. And how do you feel about the sometimes comparison made that it's kind of like a cash cropper version of Urkel? Do you see that per se, and do you do you find that to be a negative thing? <sighs> I wouldn't say negative. I think at this point, um, honestly, to, in in the circles that I see and the people that are running stuff, it, it almost seems like the purples, like just straight purple, whether it be Urkel, Granddaddy, some of those are not, um, I don't see them getting pumped out as much. It seems like it's kind of moved on to the hype circles, you know, like a lot more of these, you know, um, newer stuff that's come out. But there are certain breeders who I see working with that stuff and they're absolutely killing it and everyone's loving their gear. So knowing that there's obviously some good things going on. I imagine that, um, the Urkel, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I haven't had as much experience with that one. So I, I've only seen it. Um, when I lived down in California, it's been a while since, since I've been up in Washington that I've seen that, but yeah, for sure. And I guess this is maybe just a more personal question I was wondering. Do you find that Mendo perps and GDP get confused a lot? I think I think many strains get confused a lot. But yeah, definitely the perps, just like I said earlier, anything that's got perp or has that smell, someone immediately goes, oh, it's that Mendo perps or that's this or that. But there's so many varieties that, that all have very similar smells and or it could be, you know, crossbreeds with each other. So who's to really know? Some guys out there, um, you open a bag, you know exactly what you're smelling. You've you've been familiar with it. You've smoked it. You've grown. You've seen it. Um, to me, Mendo Perps, I think, is completely different than say GDP and some of these other ones. I I used to get Mendo Perps, so it was a lot more of a darker. Um, 
I almost want to say sweet. It's been a little while, but I, I will say they're different, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So, fast forward to now. What are you currently smoking on? Well, I just got done smoking some uh, Platinum Girl Scout. Yeah, I'm still smoking cookies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good, right? Yeah, I love it. It's one of those things, like just like a good OG or really anything. I'm a connoisseur, so I'm staring at my jars right now. I've got gelato. I've got some Dr. Gonzo. I've got Brandywine, Citrus Farmer. Um, I got the cookies. Um Kind of a kind of a mixed array of things, but I, I do like smoking my strains. When I go every time I go to a cup, uh, I'm always running into people who have grown my strains, and they come by and shoot me a jar or something, and that's always really cool because then I get to go home and smoke it and sample it. And sometimes it's not a great sample. Sometimes they're extremely well grown, so it's kind of a, a toss up, and it's it's really cool. So I'm loving anything right now that's got a good smell and a good flavor. So. Yeah, okay. And in general, are you more an indica or a sativa guy? Definitely indica or indica hybrid. I I don't mind a good sativa. I'm trying to bring more of that into my work, actually. But to me, on a daily, what I'm looking for, I, I want to know I'm stoned. I want to feel that slap across the face or the, the couch lock kind of a high. So I prefer the indica, but, man, it's kind of hard to rival a, a, a really nice smell in sativa. You know, you get the right one. Um and it and it definitely puts a smile on your face. So there, there's there's kind of days right I uh, would like to smoke a sativa. I think, but my my jars are always filled with dense buds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good description. I like that. <laughs> so let's go back to the start. What was your first experience with cannabis? Man, I had a neighbor two doors down from me who um, he worked for Disney. Or he works for Disney now. Now, excuse me, but he he uh, he turned me on to the weed. He had I had shown up to his house and was talking about wanting to get high, and I knew he smoked. And he had I had only seen you know pictures of stuff at that point, but uh, he had some uh, I guess what you know green bud. A lot of people were smoking the Mexi weed back when I first started. Um, you know, compressed swag just straight brown bud with seeds and stems this guy was the first person to show me some actual um you know killer bud that that looked like what i saw in magazines and the high times and things back in the day so he he was the first person to get me stoned and that was that was pretty awesome i mean that, that to this day i've still sent him messages here and there I said man <clears throat> if you could only see where i'm at now bro like it's your fault <laughs> He he definitely led the he got he sparked the interest so to speak. So that was that was really cool. But I've got um, yeah. There's there's a lot of memories. But I think that that was probably he was probably the the number one influence in my life for weed. <laughs> and so when did you make the transition from enthusiast to grower? Well, th- there's a big difference between a guy who grows or someone who is popping seeds, for instance, or anything that matter, and then someone who's actually successfully growing. Like, I've been popping seeds since I was a little kid. I'd throw them all over the place in my parents' yard. I'd, I'd set a little spot in the field and think it was good, show all my friends they'd get taken within a month. Um, I lost tons of plants along the way before I realized that, okay, you're supposed to keep your mouth shut about this. It's supposed to be a secret. You don't tell nobody. So I think when I really got into growing and had my first successful grow, it wasn't until probably close to, uh, honestly, like 2000, 
shoot, that would have been like 2003. Because I had grown, no, excuse me, I'm, I'm wrong. Maybe a little bit before that, but either way, it, it, I'd been growing a while, but nothing to a point where I had it down. I was successfully cropping. I was able to, you know, look at my work and say, damn, look what I've done, or, you know, gain something from it. There was too many times where I was getting all the way to the end, and then someone would come and rip my plants, and it's because I had a big mouth. So um, that's that's why I say successful. So it's probably probably a good fifteen plus years now that I've been actually at it. But uh, and and what was it that stimulated you to start creating your own seeds? Was it self sufficiency, or you got interested in being able to offer something? No, because when I started, you could still get a good number for your weed. I mean, people were still selling, you know, um, I mean, three hundred dollar ounces. So it was very good if you could get into the if you can get into the industry or in the business and have a medical card or not if you were just growing and selling weed you were doing okay for yourself but to me i think i've always just been very very interested in i don't know why but i i just i just every time i smelt pot it was just like a total like my head would spin in a speak you know i said i don't know if you're there's this old uh, TV show back in the day when I was a kid and the guy would smell cheese and his head would spin. He'd go crazy every time he smelled cheese. And I kind of, that's, that's pretty much how I was with weed. So I knew something was up with it. There was more than, I just like, I just enjoy smoke. And I, I, I was so enthralled with it that I knew there was something more to it. And I was really interested in all the different strains and categorizing things. And, and, um, I'd look in the, excuse me, <clears throat> I'd look in the beginning of those, uh, I don't remember the name of the magazine, but they'd have a huge seed catalog, and I would just sit there and highlight all the strains I wanted to get and what I was wanting to, you know, see. But um, yeah, it, it kind of just took over, and I feel like uh, I feel like the seed thing more or less became a part of me because I wanted to have my own lines. I wanted to say, hey, I made that. There were certain things I I wanted to smell and I wasn't smelling, and I thought it would be cool if I could create something that had certain, you know, flavors that we were after. I've always been a skunk fan when I was a kid, so anything that really stunk, that's what I was really into and really wanted. So I thought that at some point I'd really like to get into making something that really, you know, you crack the jar and it makes the whole whole uh, house smell, and I'll have people asking where the weed is at. So that's that's been a goal <laughs> for a long time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, a fond memory of so many guests on the show. Um, something I wanted to mention, a lot of people probably know you by your online forum handle for so long. I was trying to dig it up, but to be honest, I ran out of time. I remember it was PNW something. What was it? It was uh, originally, it was, uh, man, what was that? Pacific Northwest Grown was my original um, handle since 2004, um, maybe even earlier, because I was, I was on Overgrow. I was originally on Overgrow, um, I think it was Stoned Stupid or something way back in the day, and then I, uh, we all, Overgrow got hit and shut down and everybody jumped to IC Mags, so I had made, sort of made friends with some of these heads that were actually pretty popular people at their time, and so when we made the switch over to IC Mag, I switched my name to Pacific Northwest Grown, and that in a way kind of started my whole um career in a, in a sense as well because that's when I really started getting into genetics and I had met a man by the name of Captain Cripp. He has done work with DNA genetics and and he has his own seed line. I don't he's kind of behind the shadows. I'm not exactly sure what he's up to nowadays, but he he's I think he's kind of taking a step back. I'm not sure, but he he had 
some amazing stuff. And he and I had been exchanging stuff for a minute there, and we we had talked for for quite a while. And and he had really, I think he actually was another. Now I mentioned it was another huge influence in me wanting to make my own seeds as well. So, um, yeah, people like that. There was a ton of guys on there that were just real popular heads. That that yeah, we switched over to IC Mag, and IC Mag was. Really, that was the spot. If you want to talk about anything, you want to know the latest and greatest on genetics, that was your place to go. And then if you had a somewhat decent reputation, um, you'd, you would be well-known on there enough to where people, you know, they'd mess with you, they'd talk to you, and you could make some some decent friends on and offline. So uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah, it sounds like the glory days in a lot of ways. Were there any people on there who you kind of looked up to in regards to breeders or just even people in general or was it more of like a inward community type of thing? No, you know what? There was buddies. We we would be up all night waiting for the auctions. You know, there was those rare uh, res dog option or auctions and some of these other guys that um, Dutch grown. Um, she's a female breeder. I think she got busted because of Res Dog, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, sad to say, but uh, there was other people as well. That those were those were the um, those were the people that were making big moves back then. They had they had huge following, and before this whole Instagram thing, that was. The, I mean, you look at the forums, and you basically look at the person's little like karma points. How many how many posts do they have? How many how much you know, credit do they have on this site? And so you see some of these people, senior members or a breeder and, and whatever. And they, and that's another thing. You couldn't talk to these people like you do now. It's crazy. Nowadays, you can just hit up anybody and everybody and it's just, they're, they're literally a, a direct message away. It's it's wild. So, um, but yeah, there was, you know, Rez, Dog, Dutch Grown. Um, I mentioned Captain Crip. There was, there was quite a few other people as well. I mean, even I mean DNA genetics, all these guys that are big now that are they were still big back then. So I mean we everyone wanted those seeds. We were all you know writing down lists of everything we wanted and all that stuff. It was it was crazy times. So I mean it really wasn't long ago that I was uh, you know spending all my money on seeds, not not really making them. So now it's it's a little bit different, but I still spend all my money on seeds. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> you got the uh, the disease we all got seed hoarders. <laughs> uh, yeah. Seeditis. <laughs> so, um, just for the kind of the next part of the whole keeping linearity within the storyline, how did you then transition to working with Ken? So I was a, um, I was hired on. I did a huge review on Craigslist of all the Washington State dispensaries I had visited. Um, I had got my medical card. <clears throat> I want to say in like two thousand and. Uh, eight or something like that here in uh, Washington state. I started going around to every shop I could find and just basically checking out their jars, seeing what they had. And what I found was more than, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate, but I want to say more than 50, more than 50%, but I'll just, I'll just leave it there to, to be fair to the state. But, um, the, half the shops you go into had mislabeled jars, absolute fake you know, just garbage. There was nothing that was super heady, nothing that was like, oh my God, look at this. I mean, few and far between, you'd find some some real stuff, but it was it was kind of a sad scene up here. So basically, I started reviewing stuff on on Craigslist and ended up having someone hit me up and says, hey, well, we have we are trying to start a whole new, you know, thing up here in Washington State. We'd love to have you on board. You want to be our bud tender. So being a bud tender, um, I ended up 
getting in touch with a guy who walks in and says, hey, man, you seem to know your stuff. You know, I see you're into seeds and you're, you know your strains. You, you should meet my friend Ken. And Ken turned out to be Ken Estes. And at the time, there was a pretty big following for Granddaddy Perp. There was still a huge, you know, he had a really good reputation. And then going back to the forum days, there used to be a, um, <clears throat> there used to be a clone list, like a top 10 or a top, you know, genetics to get. And Ken's GDP was always on there. That's what everybody wanted. That, I mean, it was not, it wasn't Jim's, it wasn't Jake's, it wasn't John's, it wasn't pure, it was Ken's GDP was the name. So that name stuck with me since I was younger. And so when I hear about this, oh, this guy Ken with GDP, I was like, oh, you're not talking about Ken Estes. And he was. So next few days or whatever, I ended up meeting Ken. Um, and then we sort of hit it off just based on, again, the knowledge uh, I was dropping and some other stuff. He just was impressed with what I knew. And so he said, you should come on board with me. We're trying to sell seeds up here and we need someone who can, you know, go around and rep the company. So that's what started me off with Ken. Um, I was a seed rep. I went around all over the state, all over the country with him doing the uh, different shows. And we'd, uh, we'd, you know, I was a uh, salesman pretty much, you know. So that's what started it. And then from there... It uh, kind of blossomed into other things. I was involved with, you know, everything that they were doing with the company. But then there was a huge kind of a falling out uh, of him and his employees. And that's that's what ended up giving me the position to turn breeder for him. And so I took on that. And uh, here we are today. <laughs> <laughs> so basically... I think a lot of people would be aware that, you know, Ken has some physical disabilities, but maybe they weren't fully aware that if they had bought some seeds from Ken during that time period, the reality was you made those seeds, correct? Absolutely. So that's that. And you're right. That is something that had come up in the past. You know, many people had said, hey, you, you did this, you did that as far as, you know, uh, um, stealing or ripping something off, but it, it's, it's, it's not the case when when I was the one who was the breeder behind the stuff. I mean, everything that was, um, like I said, after they had their split and I was given the position, there are certain certain things I'm supposed to be doing for the company, and one was breeding. And so I'm making my seeds for them. Um, I'm doing everything under the sun as far as repping the company, making the sales happen, talking to people online, doing all that, paying to go to these shows and selling them packaging, everything. That was all me. So... Yeah, there's there is a little bit of confusion that lies within there, and that was also the hugest part about um, um, after even leaving the company was was having the issues with everyone trying to say, well, did you make those or was that Ken stuff? And you know, and it was very very confusing. So um, not not necessarily the best thing, but yeah, anybody that bought during the time that um, it was there was I think eleven strains made during that period. Around around 2011 or 2012 to 2014, somewhere in there. So, with that thought in mind, when you decided to start Dungeon Vaults and kind of do your own thing, did you intentionally think to yourself, I'm going to use a new mail kind of fresh start thing or did it just work out that way? That's exactly what I was thinking. It was, it was, I still had an... Uh, this goes back to your previous question as well. I still had stock left over from the granddaddy days. And so kind of to get my jump start and kind of get just to get my brand out there. Cause I didn't have my other mail selected yet. It wasn't, it, or maybe I did at the time, but it wasn't ready one way or another. <clears throat> I wasn't ready to release seeds 
um, a new line yet under Dungeons Vault, but I did still have some of my originals from Granddaddy. So I still had the Funk, I had the Grand OG, Purple Champagne, and uh, there was, I think, another one, the Candyland. Uh, but some of these strains they were they were getting close to selling out so at that point i i knew that i it was time to uh you know get a fresh start and all that so i had already been talking to i had told ken my idea the whole time you know i said hey i've got this idea for grandpa's breath you know everything was you know related to gdp or grandpa or anything like that all kind of fit in with the company so i had already thought of grandpa's breath and kind of stuck so that's where that's where this whole new line came from. And it's unfortunate we aren't working together because ha- had we been, this could have been taken to who knows what kind of levels with the, with the, you know, warehouses and the capabilities we had down in California. So, but yeah, grandpa's breath was created in Washington state. I, I was behind that. I did it all. So it was kind of cool to be able to say that once I broke away and was able to start over that I had, um, as much success with, with, uh, what I did, even though it did take a little while for people to pick up on me and really give me the shot. A lot of people were still a little bit salty toward the situation, didn't really know where to or what to think about everything. So it was a little bit hard to, you know, get my start. But once people started growing everything and they saw what I had to offer, I think people were a little bit more accepting. Yeah. And it's certainly good to see that people have, you know, given you that chance and the proof's in the pudding to say the least. Something I did want to mention, because I, I think you fall into a small category of breeders who, whether it was intentional or not, I'm not sure. I don't think you're a fortune teller per se, but I think you, Gage, and uh, Archive, you know, you probably know where this question is going. You all fell into that boat where you kind of managed to incorporate the OGKB into your work right as it was taking off. Do you, was this something you were aware of, or did it just work out that way, and you're like, man, I'm happy to ride that wave, or like, how do you feel about it all? that it's funny there was um i like i said i've always been a connoisseur i've been very well um you know in tune with all the strains going around when i first got into the cookie scene and i and i first got my clone the first cut of cookies i got was fake as shit like i knew right away i was like this is not the same thing that i'm smoking or or that all the people are talking about so i got the one grew it wasn't it i knew right away then this whole you know there was like a release all of a sudden, like somebody got it and then they were, they were angry at the fact that they had to pay so much or the fact that, that so many people were hoarding the cut and it all of a sudden started to spread like wildfire. I was one of the first people. I mean, honestly, I, I hadn't seen cookies anywhere. No one had even heard of it. And I brought, I finally got it and brought it up to, uh, to Washington and started showing people. And that's when this, this whole thing just blew up. Like every, it was already huge in California and then <clears throat> I'm up here with it. And I knew that, you know, just having any cookies was good, but there was the one, the OGKB cut, that was the one that was kind of, you know, so really held back. It wasn't being passed around very much. Um, if you knew the right people, you got it. If not, good luck. And I guess I just, I mean, it, it's a blessing. That's all I can say is the people, that, the guy that gave it to me, he knows who he is. I'm not going to mention names, but he knows what he did for me, and I owe him a lot for it. You know, eventually... I think we will square up at something, but it was never a, hey, you owe me this, you owe me that, or I want this much. He gave it to me on just good principle. He knew me well enough. He trusted me. He liked me, I guess, and he wanted to see me shine, and that's exactly what happened. So I think at the time, I yeah, like you said, Gage Green, Archive, me, um, very few people had it, and I was right there in line with them, and did we did our releases pretty much one after another. And I think from there on out, it kind of got – 
even more spread out. But, you know, man, I, I still see so many people growing OGKB that's not OGKB. It's, it's, they, they got sold a cut. Uh, if anything has even remotely um, puffy leaves or kind of that, that little mutant look, someone will refer to it as an OGKB or an OGKB Fino when in all reality, that's not what it is really. I mean, it's just, that's, there's been so many, you know, cuts that, that come out like that. Anything with cookie lineage has a chance of having that mutated, you know, kind of a funky look. And they're really not, I mean, that's not necessarily sought after, but OGKB just happened to be the one that, that one, when you get it dialed in and you can grow it correctly, it yields good. It tastes better than anything. And it literally has the craziest smell of all the cookies. It's just, it's just one of the better ones in my opinion. But like I said, real, I was lucky. That's, that's all it is. I was really lucky. And I feel like me having that early start really kind of helped. But many people thought that grandpa's breath had Mendo breath. They thought I took Gage Green's Mendo breath or one of their things and crossed into it when all reality is, no, I had the original cut crossed it to the uh, Tahoe GDP mail and bam. So, yeah. So, I mean, first thing I want to say is what the hell's up with like the seeds, you know, there's like a curse on them. Like no one can really get them to germinate easy. Do you think it just makes the mum kind of unviable as like a commercial release plant? The, the seeds of OGKB? Yeah. I think that there. That's why I didn't release the the F ones of Grandpa's breath. It was it was so tough to crack those suckers. It was like there's. I'm not gonna. <clears throat> I'll never hear the end of it. If I was to release it, you know. I mean, if you get if you get such poor germination that you're replacing every pack you've sold, you just screwed yourself. So I knew right away. Hey, let's not do that. So the F twos I released. I I seem to have pretty good luck with popping seeds. I think a lot of people really make it harder on themselves than they need to and it's still a question i get asked every day how do you pop your seeds how do you do this how do you do that and now you got a guy that's i I wish i knew his name so i could shout him out but he's he's made this little seed cracker tool and i'm sure that's been around before but this little seed cracker seems like it could help a lot of people out you know you get through that tough shell it gives it the spot or gives it the uh chance to pop its little tail out and uh you know maybe help someone who's who is having some uh, germination issues with some older seed stock. But uh, I'd say, yeah, man, there's definitely something to that with the OGKB. I don't know what it is, but maybe, maybe it, maybe it provides an extra thick shell or something that just makes it a little bit harder. But I, I don't know what everyone else's experience is with all the, uh, with all the other companies that are um, selling these crosses. But I know, I know with mine, there's, there's been some issues here and there, but you I mean, I've gotten so much good feedback that the little bit of, Hey, I had issues here and there, it's kind of outweighed by the good. So I always try and make everyone happy and, and take care of whoever I can. But for the most part, um, it's kind of a, a mute point with me almost. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I believe that, um, the F ones of the other companies similarly had some issues with germination kind of just to also touch on that point you you hammered that point home so perfectly in regards to people mistaking that cookie look for OGKB in general because I find any cookie cross can potentially yield that result and um, our buddy CSI Humboldt he even made the reference that just from Urkel S1s you can get that exact phenotype so you know, interesting note to take, but also, you know, hints something maybe deeper about the connection between Urkel and cookies. Yeah. 
there could be. I mean, it's it's they. The whole claim is this: this uh, cookies came from an F1 Durban, and I don't mean F1 like F1 generation. It's supposedly F1 is a strain altogether crossed to Durban, hit with uh, with uh, whatever else, and you get and you get the cookies or whatever. And it's like I don't see how there's any Durban in there whatsoever. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think. I think there's a lot more to it with maybe just a solid purple getting crossed with something else. But I, I would I would almost want to know if there's if if possibly what happened was that cherry pie that got big before cookies, which we all know Herms out, maybe touched the OG, which everyone in California was already growing rooms of, and then that would kind of make sense why you get that really tight cookie structure that's like an OG almost. <clears throat> And then it's kind of smaller buds, and you get a little bit of the perp. It could have easily been a, 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 a cherry pie times an OG, but I have no idea, man. I, I really don't. I think there's there's so many different um, you know possibilities, and and those that that were there when it happened would be the only ones that know. They'll take that to their grave because I've heard way too many stories, and I don't really know which one I believe. But I think when it all comes down to it, it's some good pot, and if. If fables are going to go along with cannabis, then that's fine. It just creates more of something to talk about when we're all high, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, what traits do you like to look for when selecting a male? And if we kind of give it a, a kind of a, some more detail to the question, I guess, when you were selecting, you know, your grandpa's breath male, were you looking for a balance of things, or were you just looking for all one side? How'd you go about that process? When I popped, um, when I popped all those those grandpa's breath seeds, um, so I could actually no, it's a step back because I was looking for the the Tahoe GDP male to make the grandpa's breath. So that man, you know, and that's a long time ago. But I believe, if I can remember that male correctly, it was it was kind of a, a short and stacked. Um, male i nowadays i do things a little bit differently but that was when i was back back then that was uh that was it was kind of like a trial and error what happened was i found a set of males and i knew which ones i wanted to breed with so i set those ones to the side and then out of a certain amount i picked the best looking one because that's what was available to me at the time so that was a little bit you know that's not how i would do it nowadays but back then i just picked the best looking one of the set of as you say there was like I think there were five or six of the the Tahoe GDP males and I picked the best looking guy and he turned out to be pretty damn good obviously but overall uh the the way I'm doing it now and what I would what I would say the best way to would be you're you're looking at obviously structure and then if you can get a good smell off of it that's obviously you know same thing as picking a female you know if you can get a good stem rub and you got a you you have just a nice kind of a, a a plant that kind of permeates a good smell in the air you know you got something to look forward to and then you know then when you you got to flower that you got to flower it out you know and really see how it how it looks when it's you know fills out all of its uh um you know stems everything how it looks you know you're going to really want to pay attention to that so I I found that with with once I found the grandpa's breath male, I found the one that was uh, it was tall. It had some some uh, internodal spacing going on, so it wasn't as tight as my first selection that made the grandpa's breath. And then um, the the thing once I put into flower, this guy had 
he just had stacks of flower clusters that it literally looked like corn on the cob. I've, I know I've mentioned that online before. I've told people, but that that's like the closest reference I could find. Like it literally looked like little husks of corn, just solid yellow that were just these big, you know, foot long, you know, thick colas of, of flowers. It was pretty cool. Um, that and the fact that I saw some resin glands on the leaves. Um, I know some people can say that too much resin, or if you see plants that have a lot of resin on it, it could potentially be a male hermaphrodite um, or show intersex traits. If it if flowered and you actually look up close, you might end up seeing some white hairs coming out of it. And at that point, that's the same as finding a hermaphrodite in your in your other in your female garden. You don't really want it. So, um, but this this guy in particular, I saw. I saw frost on it, and it never showed any any intersex traits, and it was all good all the way to the end. I, I thought it was just going to be an absolute stud, and I was right. So everything that that grandpa's breath male touched has turned out, you know, nothing short of amazing. So I've been pretty stoked on everything. Killer. So moving forward, do you kind of like the idea of using resinous males, or do you think just maybe in that one situation it worked out pretty well? I think... I think that would be a trait I'd like to see on them, just so I know. Well, you know, what I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I'm, I would say if I'm going to call myself a breeder, I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm beginner. You know, I'm not going to sit there and claim to know everything. I didn't go to school for this. I'm, uh, I'm going off what I feel has worked for me in the past. I'm going off of what I, what I think will do great. I've been right so far, so. I'm not a know-it-all by any means, but <clears throat> the stuff that I did uh, learn along the way and what I've picked up on has seemed to work out quite well, so I'm just going to keep going in that direction. Uh, I wish I had more scientific terms so I could use and uh, you know a little bit more knowledge on, on the plant itself and how life works in between, but overall, I think when you're growing these guys out, you just you get so used to seeing different plants and how everything looks that you just you just have a feeling and you just know when you're going in the right direction some things can end up being a complete flop but um so far i haven't really ran into that issue i mean some people might not be too happy with my gear or like it and that's fine everyone's entitled to their opinion but everything i've done so far i i i feel like i can stand behind and say hey that's a that's a decent strain you may not find the plant you're looking for but there's definitely one out of every line i've released that someone could say that's one of their favorites or that's one of the ones they would run again so that's good enough numbers for me but i i would think that um from here on out i'm i'm definitely gonna you know you just you just gotta flower out the mail that you want to use and if if it's gonna if it shows you what you're looking for then great and if not then start over solid answer it raises the idea that i constantly think of myself as is breeding an art or a science and i think the way to summarize this question is to put it in this kind of abstract question where it's if we got all the things that you or maybe generally speaking people consider to be advantageous about a male programmed into a computer and then got it to select one do you think it would do a good job or do you think as you said there's like this certain feel to it which would inevitably maybe make the robot in this example not really do as good of a job as say a human man i don't know it's tough because with all the scientific uh input and when someone has a computer program that can literally take not just me but like so many other people that have a lot more expanded knowledge than i do um <clears throat> you could potentially have such a crazy stack of information and all the the i mean the program could run could run in a way that you they knew exactly what they're doing but 
again, we could all set everything to auto-tune on all of our gardens, on everything, but I think when it all comes down to it, we all like to be there physically. We want to be involved with it, and I'd much rather say that, hey, I created this or I did that by my own hands, by my selection, by me going and picking it, smelling it, knowing everything. That sounds better to me than a robot did or it was picked by some auto-generated number and then we just went and selected it out of the warehouse but you might be onto something there i mean i think there could be some sort of you know like a challenge where someone could say well hey we found just as good of a mail by this and just by having the general knowledge in the situation and, and knowing what we were looking for and clicked a number on a computer and bam here this is what popped out but like i said hands-on that's that's number one for me yeah, for sure. It's a bit of a crazy theoretical. You just made me think about the idea of like a new breeder emerges and their whole advertising campaign is like, yeah, we use this machine to pick our mail. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I, at this day and age, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't put it past anybody. You mean? Yeah, there you go. So, a question I love to ask breeders, when you're kind of, you've created a new strain and you're going to maybe do some testing yourself, how many seeds do you like to pop to get a feel of what's inside of it? Usually, I, I mean, if it were up to me, as many as you freaking can. But, I mean, let's be real here. There's there's certain things that can restrict a grower, whether it is legality or room or, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into play. I mean, trust issues. You start getting into a huge thing where you have way too much to take care of, you have to bring in people. And as soon as you bring in those people, you better make sure those people are like family. And, oh, wait, family isn't necessarily always trustworthy either. So you just pretty much open yourself up to getting genetics stolen, having people snitch on you, having people get greedy, having the cops come bust you. There's a lot that goes into the whole having too many plants. To me, I want to stay in a position where I feel like, I mean, I'm I'm giving the customers what they need. I'm testing the plants or having them tested by friends. So one way or another, anything that comes out of my camp is being grown out completely from start to finish. And, and if there's any issues at all, we're addressing them. If there's too many issues, we're not releasing it. If there's any doubt in my mind, it the, 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 I'd rather not release the plants. Like I said, if I if it's not it's not good for it's not a good look for me if I put something out that I that I have to get a bunch of returns on. So for me, I'm trying to um, I personally. We'll pop at least a few packs uh, uh, of each one. Um, that hasn't always happened, but now from here on out, I think that's kind of where I need to be. We need to pop at least, you know, two, three packs of every single strain. That's, you know, essentially just like anyone else. If you go out and buy a pack of seeds, most people are only buying, you know, one, maybe two, and they do their little pheno hunt. If I do the same thing, pop it, and I don't find any issues, then that's, I mean, that's uh, between me and say a few, three, four, five other guys that are doing the same thing. We've just ran you know, a decent amount of the packs and we all have an idea of what we can look for. Um, I used to, when things are a little bit different up here in Washington, I had a, I'd have, you know, a hundred, a hundred seeds of one strain going just to find the, the mail and pick out my winners. That's what happened with the grandpa's breath. <clears throat> That's not the case anymore. I wish it was, but I just can't, um, I can't do it. I'd, I'd be in trouble if I did. <laughs> yeah. It's surprising. I think, uh, you may be aware, but a lot of breeders out there, unfortunately, are forced to, you know, bend or break the rules in order to, you know, kind of do what they feel is, you know, like kind of the right number, I guess. Yeah. And and again, I mean, I don't know what the right number is. I think if I had 
if I had a nice big warehouse, I'd say at least at least a hundred, two hundred of every single one. But if you're doing things the right way and you don't have a crazy, um, you know, a crazy amount of phenos going on, then I mean, you sh- it, with an F1 cross or even others, there shouldn't be that many that you need to select from hundreds of plants. But I mean, I guess it gives you the upper hand when you have that many. One could be grown a little bit better and give you an idea. But to me, I feel you're going to see what you need to see in in 30, 40 plants, you know, but the more the merrier, obviously, but it's just, I know that at this, at this point, I've seen what I need to see and I know what I'm putting out is, is going to be good. And if not, then I'll hear about it from all my testers and all the guys before it even gets released. So it's not an issue. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think 40 is that magic number as well. And just a quick little reason behind that, because some people are going to wonder why I say that. I think five, and a lot of people back this idea up, is 5% is about the lowest common percentage you'll get for a phenotype to appear. Obviously, you can get crazy lower outliers, but generally, you're not going to find something that occurs less than 5%. So, if you run 40 seeds, you're guaranteed to find at least one thing of that 5%. And if you don't find it, well, then you know that that phenotype doesn't exist at that low percentage. Anyway, talking about the phenotypes and the percentages... Candyland and false teeth are two of your strains that I'm really interested in because they've got like the different versions associated with it. And I guess the the kind of the deeper idea I'm interested in is this idea of using multiple females and offering the different versions. Hasn't really been adopted too much, but I have a feeling it might be on the rise. Do you think that's the case? And why do you choose to do it? I, I Yes, I think it is on the rise. I think... I, sh- I for sure did not start this this whole let's do a bunch of different versions one two three four whatever I've seen it before even going back to Rez he had different versions of V2 or whatever it was and that's and, and other breeders did as well and I don't remember if it was because he remade the strain and so it was a version two or if he put out two separate phenotypes of the same cross but in my situation that's exactly what happened and it's kind of a two reasons for that one being when i did the original um false teeth what i had done was i had crossed you know i had popped all the different candy lands that i had you know from seed from when i worked with ken so i popped a bunch of candy lands and as i did i started seeing some that were you know there were some that were just shit they really just didn't come out that great there was some mutation stuff going on that just didn't yield didn't it wasn't anything too fancy those that did come out you know and looked really good i i was it, it was so hard, and it could be the hoarder in me. I don't know. But I, I looked at these plants. I was like, I can't get rid of this one, and I don't know why. I don't know what I'm going to do as far as having you know four different ones that are all full of seeds. So I, what I decided was, let's say if I release the one, people are going to find something good. But let's just say that they, they're like, yeah, it's okay, you know, but I wish I had something else to choose from or, you know, a different selection. So I thought if I released all three, four versions, I guess the fourth one just was released, but originally three different versions of uh, V1, V2, V3. And it was all that it was all done. Same time, same breed. It was just a different plant number in the same exact room, got hit with the same pollen. And what happened was I just decided to release them all that way. You could have a little bit something different than the next guy. A problem I found going back to the old dispensary days was you'd walk into a shop and say, hey, I've got cookies. They'd say, cool, we have cookies. And they could be a totally different look than yours, and and they weren't budging. They don't want it because it's the same thing. Well, I figure if you walk in and said, well, I've got something that – 
you know, I've got I've got some false teeth or I've got some candy land that looks a little bit different. It's the V3 or V4, whatever, you know, it's a different version. And it was something, you know, completely different than the next guy. Maybe they would put it on the shelf because it was so much different, even though it had, you know, but same kind of quality pot, you know. So that's what I was originally thinking would be nice. But uh, it did create a lot of confusion. But, I mean, everyone ate them up. People bought every single one of those things. So they they – I think having having something that'll make you different than the next guy is is what's what people are into and they want to see that. So it's um it's kind of a benefit. I feel like uh, giving people more options is never bad. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So, little interesting theoretical question for you: If you were going to go back and remake a strain you'd made before, but let's just say you didn't have the mail you initially used, so maybe you're going to remake the mail or reselect it from stock. Would you like that idea? Like, do you like the idea of would you voluntarily do it, I guess, is what I'm asking, or would you just opt to use the original? Well, it would be cool to use the original, but the original Grandpa's Breath mail is 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 uh, gone. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, I, I killed I killed that that guy off a while back. He he's been done, and I just I feel like after I had after I had released him enough stuff of it, you know, I just feel like you know it's time to move on. Even though I know it's probably probably one of the better males, I figured I would find you know out of the progeny once I start cracking into the F2s, the Grandpa's Breath, and I get ready to make the F3s, I'll have a new male that's selected and for its own reasons. So I figured you know he'll make a return at some point, or it won't be him; it'll be a different one like you just mentioned. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got no problem with that. I feel like there's, there's, it's always nice to move on and start something new. I also feel like having something, um, having the same thing in every cross isn't always a good thing. Like, I mean, I've, I've ran into that problem in the rec scene up here in Washington, how, trying to sell seeds to someone saying, okay, well, here's this. And I go, we've already got a grandpa's breath cross. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have this one. This one's different. This one, it grows completely different. It looks and smells completely different. Um, it's not the same thing, you know? So it's, it's, it's a, sometimes it's a hard sell letting people know that even though it's got the same mail, you're going to get, you get completely, you're going to have different results. You know, it's not always going to be the same things. So. Yeah, interesting. Tapping into a, a really interesting point about kind of lack of education within the consumer scene. Something which jumps to mind when you mentioned that is I was in uh, Colorado and I went to a dispensary and I was like, show me the best weed you got, guys. And they pulled out some cookies and I was like, oh, cool. What cut is it? And they were like, oh, it's the uh, Durban Cross OG cut. And I was just, uh, yeah, you know, and I was just like, really? Like, you're meant to be the knowledgeable one here. Like, yeah, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, just to quickly rule out a little question I'd found, I'm not even sure if it's true, but I think I read on a forum somewhere that, like, at some point in the earlier days, before you did the cull you just mentioned of the grandpa's breath mail, you did a reselection. Was that true or no? E- yes, actually. So, what ha- Okay, so, yeah, no, you're right. We did uh, the original. Okay, so uh, my first mail I selected of Grandpa's Breath. That was the the um, humble pie, Grandpa's Breath F two, foul mouth, uh, false teeth. All those guys. That was all done under that uh, Grandpa's Breath mail. Then that one was gone, and I had to select another one, uh, which was done um, to make the sugar daddy Italian ice. Pine and Perp, and that line, the second Grandpa's Breath line was all done with the new mail. And I feel like all those ones have turned out just as good, if not um, better offspring. So 
That's I'm I totally space. I'm glad you brought that up. I uh, sometimes I need to remind myself though I, I did do that because I forget at times because it was the grandpa's breath. But yeah, it was a different male for that breed. Yeah, no, that's all good. So if we kind of look at some of the ones you mentioned there, none of them were the ones you chose for the new male. I think you actually end up choosing purple vapor was the first male. What was it about the purple vapor which made you pick that one as your new male, or at least of the initial selection going forward? The, there was a there was a purple vapor and a brandy wine that were selected at the same time. Uh, with help from a friend, I was able to I gave him uh, the last of my purple vapor and I gave him a bunch of the uh, brandy wine. And in return, I said I'd like you to bring me back all the males. So he, when he did that, he brought a truck full. I mean, I, I had so <laughs> many selections. I was like, oh my god. So I had <laughs> I, I sat there in my yard one summer and I was like, I've got literally. I think I had 20, 20 or 25 of each. So looking out all those and then flowering them all out, I allowed them all to just get big. And I actually collected the pollen this time. I didn't even take cuts of them. I was like, this is going to be a once and done type of thing. So I got all the pollen that I wanted off the ones I was going to keep or that I knew I wanted to breed with. Um, the rest of them were discarded. Um, and then so in particularly the purple vapor, that guy – it, it was just a badass male like that one and the brandy one both just showed extreme close uh close nodal spacing there was like a nice they had i didn't have as much of a uh what i i don't want to call it a cola but essentially a male flower cluster cola whatever you know there's probably a more of a scientific term for that but i don't know it off the top of my head so i'm not going to make one up but yeah they uh they they just had a really good look to them, and those ones were the ones that ended up being selected for the new the uh, the wine line, which isn't even. I mean, I've released a few of those, but not all of those um, have been released. And in the purple vapor line, uh, I think there was the first one I released from that so far. I think was the uh, um, or one of the newer ones anyway was the biker perps, and that's that hell's angel times purple vapor. So all those. The new ones I feel like are going to be killer, man. I really feel like those ones are going to be awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the brandy wine is one I'm extremely interested in, mostly because it contains pink champagne. We'll jump to that in a second. What is it about the brandy wine which drawed you to it? I mean, I know it's won a cup on its own, so that's probably a good starting point, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's it's the, the the brandy wine itself. Like we, I knew once we started growing that one out, it, it showed so much um, It very... I, I don't have a percentage, but it had a lot of the of the uh, the um, offspring had some good um, signs of pink, pink champagne. And that cut in itself, I've been smoking for 20 plus years, and I am yet to see one other strain that has that same turt profile. Nothing. I've not come across anything else in all my cannabis days that ha- that smells exactly like the pink champagne. And I mean, this, it has to be the cut from the Bay Area. Um I'm, I still don't know the full lineage of it. I've been told story after story, and it's almost a, it's more of a secret than anything else. People people make stuff up, but there's supposedly or supposedly there's a some Romulan, Urkel, and C99 in there somewhere. I can see the C99 or maybe the Urkel because of the color, but there's something in it that is it makes it super unique. And like I said, I've just it's it's unmatched. So finding anything like that in the brandy one was super cool and just knowing that that's the potential i knew that there was something that i was on to something um 
having the brandy wine in the lineage, I feel like it has a certain kind of a sweetness and it adds frost. So that male was a stud, and I feel like he, he, it's just another one of the uh, something from Grandpa's Breath line that once it touches the female, it just adds so much good stuff to it that it's it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah, without a doubt. It's funny. I was thinking about this for a while. I was like, "Oh, we're gonna geek out over uh, <laughs> over champagne." Oh, sorry, the pink champagne because I I didn't realize there was another strain called champagne, but yeah, apparently there is. Um, but then I yeah, as we're in it right now, I realize it's pretty much both of us just going, "Yeah, I don't know what's in it." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's kind of cool, man. I mean, that's what I kind of was saying earlier. There's a lot of. Um, I'm not gonna. I mean, not a fable. Fable's more of a story, like a like a kind of a made up story but um i really feel like there's um there's some hidden there's something going on where some people just don't want someone to recreate or they just decide to keep it a secret or maybe they're just they maybe no one really knows but i find it extremely odd that this day and age they're not i've had a lot of bullshitters step forward and try telling me that they know what it is and this and that and it's like we don't even i mean i don't know who you are i've never heard of you and if you all of a sudden out of nowhere you pop up on instagram and you're the fucking creator behind pink champagne i don't think so so uh whoever has it or made it out there congratulations you made something that i hold very dear to my heart it's awesome plant so that's cool but um yeah i really wish i knew what it was it would it would it would help a lot of things out but sometimes it's better that to just have a mystery it creates it creates a good uh something to talk about again you know yeah for sure for sure um i guess kind of the next thing which i found on your instagram when i was doing a little stumble through it all was that you have done some feminized seeds in the past. Not exactly a, a staple in the menu, but can we expect to see more going forward? Yes and no. So here's 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 if people don't know this, those that was a it was a collaboration release. I didn't breed those. Uh, a friend uh, who goes by uh, at Mary Jane Wines. He was the creator behind the Gorilla Glue for S one and the. Uh, um, the Gorilla Grapes, which a lot of people liked, and we we still grow and we love it. It's very glue dominant, but you get just enough of a kind of a a sweet berry thing going on that kind of just adds a little bit more of a you know something interesting to the glue. But both of those released were they were fantastic. Got a lot of good feedback, um, except for the glue. Out of respect for Josie Wales, I wouldn't ever release another glue. Uh, S1, he really wasn't happy with that, and I can understand. But at the same time, I didn't do it, so I just released it as a you know to help a friend out. But um, I think at some point, yes, you can expect to see more. I've I've been, it's been requested of me so much, and I get asked at every show, "Are your seeds feminized? Why not? Can I get some?" You know, there's and and it's always a mixed answer. I've told people, I prefer regular seeds but i'm not going to tell you how to grow if someone else wants to grow feminized seeds and they're hell bent on i want feminized i don't want to pick out the males and i want to i want the risk i want to risk the potential of having herms you know late in flower and having to figure out where they're coming from that's fine you can run those feminized seeds so i at some point i think i'll probably you know release some to people but uh it's definitely not on my agenda or my to-do list anytime soon i've got i've got so much other stuff going on and i find what i'm doing now is a lot more fun and it's 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 just what i'm into i don't i haven't i personally have never reversed a plant um to uh um make the pollen it 
so it's it's one of those things like i i i I know i can do it but it's just a matter of uh setting up the space and getting a little feminized room going so but again it's just really i've got with everything else i've got going on i'd much rather focus on my regular line yeah okay so an interesting point you kind of loosely touched on was Josie Wales and kind of Gorilla Glue moving forward. An interesting point is there seems to be talks, I don't know if it's actually happened, but, you know, of like trying to take more of like a strong legal stance on people using their strains and whatnot. Do you think, how, like, how do you think about that idea moving forward? And if there became a precedent for that, would you ever consider using it if people were like, you know, s wanting your strains and stuff? Or do you think like it's not necessarily the best road we go down as a community? There, man, there's, I'm kind of, it. I feel strongly about a couple of different things. So one do I think that we should all be able to brand our work? Yes. But do I, am I against someone else using my stuff? No. I think, I think there's a fine line between someone who has a good idea and wants to use your work to, um, you know, to make something special. And then some guy that wants to be lazy and just say, Hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to take someone else's stuff and just make a feminized line out of his work. Or I'm going to take his his pack of seeds and cross it to all my stuff and then release that. It's like that's kind of I mean that's too easy, bro. I mean we should, you should you should do at least one breed, find a male from that, and then cross it to something. But I think at this point, if we can all get to where we've got our own you know strains that we've made and we are known for it, and people can we can if there's no argument that that. We all know that CSI made this strain and, and and DVG made that strain, Archive made that strain, and those are theirs. Then those strains should be ours and it should be no argument. But since we all know that's not the case and many people will abuse that, um, maybe we do need to have a little bit more of a legal standpoint. Um, I feel like everything is going that way anyway in the cannabis industry. So unfortunately, I wish it wasn't, but it is what it is. So you kind of got to follow suit and just run with it. So at this point, I think, uh, trying to get involved with, you know, I don't know if patenting my strains is necessarily the right word, but, but getting them into phylos. And then there's another, there's another thing. Um, some woman presented to me where you can basically send in clippings of your strains and then you basically get some sort of, uh, they do it with flowers and other plants, but um, kind of branding your work and then you get ownership of it. There's there's certain things that are kind of turning in that direction, and I'm all about it. I will follow. I'll I'll do whatever I can to get my strains all listed under it so it's known that I made them. But whether that makes them legally mine, like I can take you to court and sue you, that seems kind of douchey. I mean, unless it's a huge company that's going to be making millions of dollars off me, then at that point, yeah, I want my piece of the pie. But I think if some other guy wants to use your strain or something it's, and it's with good intentions, then is it really a reason to go cost stink and then pay a bunch of lawyer fees and get involved and all that? I don't, I don't think so. But um, there's, definitely, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on right now and a lot of shady stuff going on and a lot of people burning bridges. So I don't know. It's a, It almost seems like it's – it's kind of like, uh, you know, you should be doing anything you can to protect your business and your branding. Yeah, it definitely seems like there are some kind of underhanded moves being made by some people, but not to drown on that, maybe to even highlight the opposite. If someone did want to breed with some of your work and do it the right way, kind of, you know, underlying part of this question, do you kind of in general like when people reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm going to do this, what do you think? Or you just don't care, you know, like, you know, like as in like, yeah, do it, but you don't need to talk to me or anything. Or how do you feel about all that? 
Well, seeing as I'm guilty of it myself, I think that I think that everybody, if you're going to use someone else's stuff, you should probably mention it to them. Like, hey, man, just thought you'd know um, I found something killer out of your work. I'm going to use it as one of my uh, females in my project and then hit it to my mail and, you know, voila, um, I wanted to give you some of the seeds back if you're interested or, hey, just wanted to pay homage. I'll make sure I shout you out, whatever. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it, and I have not always done that, but well, I used uh, Seed Junkie's uh, uh, his wedding cake. The cut didn't come from him; it came through someone else. And I, in a roundabout way, hit him up and said, "Hey, man, I know I had talked about wanting this cut, and I ended up getting it through someone else. Just want to let you know." He's like, "Hey, man, that's cool. Right on. Have fun with it. Enjoy." And there's just a, a mutual respect, I, I think. Uh, so that's different than <clears throat> someone else just using. For instance, if someone just all of a sudden crossed, you know, my grandpa's breath or something to their entire line, which actually just recently happened, and then they didn't even mention it to me, and then I f- find out that, that not only did you not even mention that you were going to breathe with my stuff, but you you then released it all untested to the community, that's a slap in the face, man, because then all of a sudden I'm going to look like like I'm a part of that in a way. Like if you didn't test your gear and you get a bunch of bad stuff coming out of it, then all of a sudden my my name is attached to someone else to release shitty stuff. I don't like that. And I also don't like people, you know, just releasing stuff to the community just to make a quick buck really quick. You know, that's not really cool either. So there's there's definitely – it just comes down to respect, man. I really feel like if, if someone – if they want to use your stuff, it's kind of an honor in a way. You know, there's no reason to be mad. But, again, I feel like there's certain intentions people have that – you should just you should just look out for and i i think that some people just don't really give a shit they're going to do whatever they're going to do but i've seen it countless times where some well-known breeders or people that are making seeds take someone else's line and drop it without mentioning anything to them it's like wow that's kind of why would they do that and it's just like you know there's kind of mixed feelings about it so if someone gets offended about that then i think they already know the answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so, just looping back to a point you made in the previous question, you mentioned fire loss. How do you feel about the idea of genetic mapping and kind of maybe kind of in answering the question you posed where you said, oh, look, you know, I'm down with the idea of getting ownership, but not necessarily so I can go and sue people. One of the kind of things about fire loss is they say that if you submit your stuff to them, it will get you know, mapped and you'll have ownership of it, but it'll go into the public domain so that like everyone can use it. But obviously it's known that it's yours. Would you do it if that was the case? Absolutely. Like I, I really, I've been meaning to meet up with those. They've been talking to me for a while and I, I want to say at least a couple of years about getting together and doing some stuff. And I really, I need to do that and I want to do it. And yeah, I, I guess I don't understand how it works. I, I thought anyone and everyone could turn in a strain and then the, it kind of just goes into that map where they kind of just has the stars are all on there with, with, you know, with everything kind of showing where that, where it all lands on the, on the, on the field. But, um, if there's a way for me personally to say, no, this is mine and have my name attached it, then hell yeah, man. I think that anything like that, that can kind of put you into the history books as you're the guy behind it, then great. Because that's kind of where we've had issues in the past where people are butting heads over. Well, that's my strain. Well, no, it's not. I made that one. Well, no, you didn't. I made that in 03. You came out in 08. I mean, who knows, man, there's a lot of stuff that, that can really, you know, we can end an argument really quick if it, if it was known uh, facts and it was stuff that's been documented already. Yeah, for sure. So, just to loop back on the brandy wine for one moment, I noticed on your Instagram, it actually kind of snuck by me the first time, the absinthe cross. 
Chemdog, big part of this show, you know, holds a special place in our hearts. How do you rate the Chem D? And do you so do you see yourself working with the Chem in you know whether it be the Chem D, the Chem ninety one, whatever, moving forward, or is it just more of like a one off trial thing? I think that um, having Chem in my lines is definitely something that's needed to happen. When I first was working with Ken, I had a Kim 4. I still have Kim 4, but the Kim 4 was one that I first was had access to, and I really liked it. It yielded great. It's a good plant. I want more of that stank, and the Kim D and the Kim 91, which I... Um, which I do have. It just hasn't been bred with yet. Uh, both of those have a little bit more of the smell I'm looking for. Um, what I did find or excuse me, what my tester found uh, with the absinthe cross that he just recently finished up was there wasn't as much Kim dog uh, smells coming out of his, what he selected as the keepers, which is fine. I wasn't necessarily trying to create something that I would say is better than the original mom by any means. What I'm trying to do is just literally release something that's going to have some new smells altogether. And I know that when you combine such a good parent with something that I'm offering, I think there's, 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 it mixes well and it creates, let's just say like a new drink at the bar. You know what I mean? Like we all can go get the originals we all love and like, but then we can go in there and make, Hey, try this one. All of a sudden it gives you some new taste on, or a new view on, on the strain you already liked. Then great. I did my job and that's kind of where I'm going. So Yes, I'm going to have more Kim in the line. Yes, there will be more Kim popping up. But for now, the cross that you see, the uh, the Kim 4 cross to Brandywine is called Kim Fusion. That one's going to be coming out at some point. And the same with the Absinthe, Kim D times the Brandywine. Both of those are going to be great. I, I, I know it, but um, definitely got to go through the testing. I'd like to run them myself, you know, before releasing them. And so there's a little bit of a wait, but I'd rather I'd rather always – you know, put something out that I'm proud of than rather just have someone else's word and just release it on, on without any knowledge of what, what I'm doing. Um, I, I'd like to have some, some really good lines that include those Kims, but I think what I'll find once I get those, those ones going with some back crossing or if I need to just do some in crop, whatever I'm going to do, I have a feeling I will, I will be looking for more of the Kim phenos to be popping up to uh, use more of. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, I definitely am interested in that absinthe. So, just to pop to another strain that kind of snuck by me, but I'm really interested in, Hangover Haze. This one, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm super interested in it because Ghost Train Haze was big for a minute and then it kind of popped off, but I still think it's a killer strain, you know. What is it about it that draw you to it? And do you have any of these other kind of strong sativas that you're thinking about breeding with? Yes and yes. So, so um, the the ghost train haze, it, it's it's a cut out of Cal, out of Colorado. I don't know if it for sure came from the rare dankness camp or not, but one way or another, um, it's got it's got killer smell. It's uh, it's hard for me to describe smells as much. Some people have different way of doing it, but to me, it was more of that that um, kind of like a pine saw cleaner you know like the metallic haze kind of thing going on but with that cleaner smell in the pine i don't know ghost train haze has a very distinct smell in my opinion and it it it, it was awesome um crossed it to the brandy wine and each time i saw it um finish up it was very um there was you get some of that lemon and some of the stuff from the mom but again you get you get kind of a mixed you know smell thing going on there that's it definitely leads for uh, uh some interesting stuff uh the that one was one of the more sativa dominant ones I did. Um, I do have some some uh, 
there's one called uh, Redheaded Stranger. That's a new one in my line uh, that's going to be hit here shortly. But that's a uh, Tom Hill's Haze with uh, Williams Wonder, I believe. Wow, that is two powerhouses. Yeah, that one right there I think will be interesting. There's a couple others too. Um, oh, the Dutch Treat, the original Dutch Treat I got. That one's that one's in flower right now. Um, I think that one will eventually get hit with some stuff, and we'll we'll have some some new ones to play with. But I, I like I said earlier, I like sativa. People ask for it all the time, uh, just like that and CBD. And I don't ever, I don't hardly have anything to offer them. Especially CBD, I have nothing. But sativa-wise, the Hangover Haze was the first one I could say. That and my Cipro, which is the Snowcap Cross. They, uh, those would be two. I'd that'd be leaning toward the sativa side of things. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so, um, do you ever plan to work with any crazy land race stuff, or it's just not really on the radar? I, I've got. I was. Ju- I just pulled them out yesterday because I had I had taken a picture of my seed my seed collection, and I have. I had mentioned having land races in there. Well, I pulled them out. I've got. I've got Nepalese stuff i've got stuff from uh uh, india um there's there's an issue right now a lot of people are saying that a lot of stuff that that's coming out of india has been you know stuff that was just you know basically hemp you know or stuff that's very low potency just nothing great and a lot of people have have been just breeding bullshit and and not really paying attention to what they're doing out there now i do know for a fact that the guy that i got them from uh, was a little bit uh, more reputable as far as you know. He's not just going to the the base of the mountain collecting seeds. He he knew people up in the hills. His wife was from uh, India. He had a little bit more of a reputation. Uh, he was friends with Ringo, who passed away uh, a little ways back. Um, and uh, I believe uh, um, I believe DJ Short got seeds from him as well at the same time I did and grew some out and he found some good stuff. Now those plants really should be grown outside or in the greenhouse or something. And right now I only have indoor room to dedicate, so I won't be popping any of them soon, but before they go bad, I mean, I really need to get, get them in the ground because there's the, what could be found in the seeds I do have would be, would be incredible. And I, I, I'm telling you right now, I have never seen seeds like these. So whatever they are, I have a feeling just based on what I'm looking at in the bag, I have something special. Like they literally look like espresso beans, just these tiny little black things that are just dark and shiny. Like I've never seen anything like it. So there's definitely some interesting stuff in there. But when when I get to pop them and will they be uh, crossed into anything I have, who knows? But I, 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 I would sure love the idea of that. Yeah, okay. And so – what is some genetics you wish you had right now to work with that you don't have, whether it be just a clone you don't have access to or some genetics that are from year gone by? I recently just got a clone from somebody that's supposed to be, or it's not supposed to be, it's it's from uh, Duke Diamond. And it's a uh, it's one of his, I believe it's Dominion Seed Company. Uh, he has he has some new skunks he's been working with. And he, I would say if anybody out there right now has... Um, you know, good feedback on releasing some some of the old school skunk that really that roadkill kind of smell. There's something from 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 Matt Wright I hear about all the time. The skunk spray Afghan, but there's also the uh, this stuff from from Duke where he, he's got this local skunk and these different ones that are all supposed to be just just really bring back the memories of that old lineage that we all thought was extinct. So I'm kind of looking into that. I'd really wish I had some of his stuff because that takes me back to my childhood. Anytime I smelt a dead skunk, I correlated that to 
you know, smelling some good green bud. So, um, he he's something I, I'd like to get into his stuff, but I mean, with all the seeds I have to pop of my own gear, it's like when am I going to have time? Um, so anything skunk, like a real strong skunk, that's something I'm after. I'd like to see in my line. Um, but then also, uh, I don't know who I don't know who the breeder is, but there's something called tits. This is the shit, is what it stands for. There's something like that or sour. This is the shit. There's a few out there that I'm a big sour diesel fan. So anything that's got um, Anything that's close to that or has a very sour smell or just a real just strong funk, uh, I'm into that. There's there's another one, Royal Kush. I, every time I've seen Royal Kush, I'm absolutely in love with it. But I know some guys are, you know, there's plenty of people out there breeding with it. Some people are known for that. That's like their baby. So that kind of goes back to what I said originally. Like I don't want to necessarily take what someone else is already you know that's you know something of theirs and then use it in mine maybe if it was gifted to me or they asked to me to breed with it that'd be another story but um i think i'm gonna more or less try sticking to uh stuff i'm finding in my own lines and then obviously i'll have to go back and you know some of these ones some of the hyped cuts and some of these ones that people really want to see me work with i'll end up uh using along the line at some time <laughs> Yeah, for sure. A lot of points to jump into there. I'll see if I can quickly bang them out. Tits was made by Ben from IC Collective. Um, and also, you know, by extension, Skunk VA. Shout out those two guys. I love them. Um, and Royal Kush, is that the um, the Long Valley Royal? Either Long Valley, um, and see, that's what I'm not sure of. Is it Long Valley Royal Kush, or am I talking about just the Royal Kush number seven? That's I don't know if that's aficionado or if it's. I think it's Mandelbrot. 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 Yeah. So I think the Long Valley is the selection aficionado did of Mandelbrot's Royal. Yeah, and I mean Possibly. that stuff. I mean, I was at an I was at Emerald Cup, and I I I see these kids pull out paper bags that they've got all their herb in, and they're showing. Um, aficionado and he's he's his eyes are rolling in his head as he's sniffing them. i was like i gotta see what these kids have they got they obviously have some fire and uh so i get a, i get a hold of these guys i'm like let me see what you got and they had royal cushion i remember just do, doing the same thing as soon as you squeeze that bud and it was outdoor as soon as you squeeze that bud and give it a little twist you just it was mind-blowing like I, I i love it like it had such a good smell it was just like oh my god man and even a year after getting that bud i was smoking what I was calling Christmas weed because that's around the time I got it um, a year later and it was still just as good as when I first did. It was just gooey, sticky, great, just really nicely grown weed out of Humboldt. Yeah, wow, the dream, right? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to push you on one last thing before we jump back into your own stuff. You put a photo out recently um, kind of touching on that point you made earlier about being both a seed collector as well as a seed creator. In that photo, we can see of your little seed uh, your seed storage container. We can see a few breeders in there. I'm pretty sure I can see a pack of Bodhi at the front nice and center, but I can also... I also think I can see it's either like a pack of Oni or a pack from Goo. Um, I can't quite make it out. It doesn't matter. But what I want to know is if you had to pack a few pops from your little collection, what would it be? And who are some of the breeders who you currently jive with? Man, there's there is so much stuff in here, dude. I mean, it's, but yeah, you're right. You're seeing some Bodhi right there on the top of it. I've got some Bodhi gear. Um, he he's someone he's one of the breeders who you don't see a lot of these shows he's always been kind of behind the scenes i met him one time and he was the most humble down to earth the coolest guy 
I, I, I had talked to in a long time, and I, it was an honor to meet him. Um, and he literally, after meeting a guy like that, you pretty much want to buy his whole line, but you'd go broke doing it because he's got so many strains. <laughs> <laughs> but he he's such a cool dude. And then there's like, uh, shoot, who else? You, I think what you saw, what you thought was an Ani or an On One was Seed, was it, you're staring at a, a Canarado pack. Ah, uh, yes, that white one. And uh, Canarado, he's a good dude. He's a guy I've met quite a few times. Anytime I see him, you know, a little handshake and you know, fist bump, whatever, he's a cool guy. So we see each other a lot at the shows. Um, if I was going to pop anything out of here, man, that's a hard one. I've got so much stuff in here, it's not even funny. But I think, honestly, I've got some stuff right here at the top from a guy called elite cannabis out of colorado and him and his boys uh he's friends with green dot uh green dot dave i believe green dot labs dave out of colorado and a few of these other guys and they've got these kim de la kim crosses and uh i believe it's a kim d i-95 cross something like that and just it, i mean all the stuff they've got triangle kush kim dogs everything's crossed to this kim de la kim and i think that sparked my interest because even going back to the old IC Mag days, all I wanted was the stinkiest stuff I could find. Like that's what sold. That's what I wanted. I want the gas. I want the just the nasty baby poop stuff. Just anything that just makes you go, ugh. That's <laughs> what I'm into. So, so he. I have a feeling popping any of that stuff there. I'm gonna find everything I need to fall into the nasty category. And then, uh, I mean, after that. Probably those Indian land race I mentioned earlier, because I mean I know there's there's so much value in popping some original uh, land race and being able to use that in your breeding to get some pure stuff. But if it is or not, that's another thing. I'm gonna have to get some guys that are that are very well versed and you know that have traveled or have seen these things up close and can tell me, hey, that's what this is, or you know, you're growing freaking hemp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. On a little side note, um, I spoke to Professor P and he said he grew out some of those chem dealer chem crosses and he's blown away. So. You're in for something special if you do pop those ones. Um, oh, good to know. Yeah. So, kind of same topic, but a little bit left of it. Would you ever consider doing a breeding collaborative project? And if you did, how would you want to do it? Like, Because I think a lot of people these days, like, you know, each person brings one kind of parent to the table. Is that how you'd want to do it? Or, you know, some other weird idea maybe? It, you know, it kind of depends. So that's I did the uh, pr- I did that release for my buddy Mary Jane Weinzer. Like I said, you know, that was something we talked about. You know, I I had mentioned wanting to, you know, have some feminized stuff and people asking for it so much. He says, "Well, I've got you know, I'm making Grilla Glue S ones. I'm making this thing called Grilla Grapes. You know, what do you think?" And I thought it was a good idea. Um, I think I think I'd like to have a little bit more um, involvement. Rather than just having someone say, "Hey, this is what I made. Here you go," and selling them under my brand, I don't. I there was no issues with that, but I still don't want to do that ever again. Just because um, I think it's better for a breeder to have a little bit more of a uh, uh, say in what's being used and what's going on. That way, you can back the project a little bit better. Um, I think this day and age, like I said earlier, there's a lot of greed and there's a lot of uh, shadiness that goes on. So if you're going to get involved with anybody like that, you probably want to have, um, you know, someone that you've known or that you can work well with and that you're vibing good with. I've got a guy out of California by the name of Green Gold Collective. He was the guy that bred the uh, the lemon grove that I'm currently growing, which is the lemon tree times citrus farmer. He told me what he was doing the entire time. And I was like, man, that's, that's literally a cross that I wanted to do. And that's awesome. Good for you. 
And he's, you know, that's when we started talking about working together on it. So he did the original F1 cross. I'm growing out them right now. He's had a few buddies grow some of them out in California in the outdoors and in the greenhouse and everything's come out perfect. We will take, um, selections i've already pulled bales off the table and everything they're already put to the side but i'm growing out females right now we'll see how that goes and then i imagine that uh he'll probably end up having to come up here or vice versa and we'll have to check things out on the on a little bit closer uh with inspecting everything but i think uh we will end up more than likely releasing that that product together and it'll be something that we both have seen and and grown um both in california and washington so it'll be kind of cool um i think for any future project that's exactly how i'd want to be like it's something like either either you bring the male or i bring the female but one way or another we meet in the middle and we are going to be there through the entire process of seeing and knowing what's going on and then even even to a point of harvesting the seeds uh just getting you know you get the seed counter out and you guys just either split it up right then and there or it's just a trust thing where they know that there's X amount of packs and we're going to put them all up for this price and, uh, expect a payday. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's obviously some of the more interesting final logistics. One of the things which you just mentioned though, which caught my ear was the citrus farm. I wanted to touch on this cause there's so many interesting things about it. I guess first and foremost, the skunk tangerine, tell us a bit about it. You know, it's, it's kind of like got a bit of a cult following and it's hard to find info on it. That one is uh, it's it's it came from Oregon Kid. He's not the creator. I think he was just holding it for a while. Um, he, I believe, some guy out of SoCal, maybe even San Diego. I don't remember. Um, Fletcher from Archive has a lot more knowledge on this strain. He told me that when I told him that I had that cut, he was he was he he was shocked. He said that's a, that's an old one. Um, it's one that you don't see circulated very much. I guess there's a few people that have it now. And I think they're trying to sell it more and trying to get it out there. But I saw a guy was even knowing that I worked with it, he was trying to get me to pay him five thousand dollars for a cut. So it's definitely something that's being presented to breeders and to other people as you know potential money maker. And I don't know if it's because, um, you know, I already bred with it, so I don't. It, it's not worth five thousand dollars to me anymore as a cut. But um, for those people that haven't ever had it. I will tell you, it's better than your average um, orange strain. It's definitely got some old school uh, feel to it, to where it's just it's not your it's not your watered down tangy. Yeah, well, I mean, the only thing I'd really been able to read about it was that it was like an eleven week flowering tangerine type of thing. Yes, very much so. And I didn't. I'm not meaning to. I didn't. I just sound like I was disrespecting tangy. I didn't mean to say watered down tangy. Like tangy's watered down. What I'm saying is it's not. It this is an original orange strain. Whoever made it, I think what I've heard was there's some Salmon Creek Big Bud with something else crossed to it. I'm not exactly sure what, but the Salmon Creek Big Bud. I had that back when I lived in California. I I'd have access to that bud, and I absolutely loved it. Um, so whatever this plant is that makes it the tangerine, it gives it that citrus smell. Uh, hands down has 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 uh, a better smell than than most other oranges that i've come across um there's so many of them nowadays and the citrus the citrus scene is really hit some people are over it some people can't get enough of it i'm one of those people that it doesn't matter it's like my daily cup of coffee i'll i'll, I'll smoke uh orange concentrates i'll smoke anything tangy anything like that it leaves that flavor on on the palate and sometimes there's not much power 
that gets and that gets associated with the orange strain sometimes oh it's not really that stony but one thing i can tell you i don't know if it's the grandpa's breath or the skunk tangerine on its own but one way or another though those two create a powerhouse we've had tests of upwards of uh High 20s all the way up to 30%. Now, I know that some tests can get a little bit uh, juggled, but for the most part, anything that's testing in the 20s, you know it's going to work out well. Oh, yeah. And I think you touched on a, a really relevant point. I mean, you said, you know, not to hate on Tangy, so to speak. And I'm not hating on Tangy, but it's pretty widely accepted that it doesn't, it's not really bringing too much in the potency department. So, with that. Yeah, in- I mean, I, I've heard that. <laughs> Yeah, I think what you're saying is you've felt that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but uh, what I'm interested in is, do you think, do you find that the tangerine haze on its own, obviously you answered it before where you said in combination with the grandpa's breath, not an issue, but on its own, do you feel it overcomes that or do you feel like a lot of the pure tangerine strains inherently have this issue of lacking potency? I I think... What I've come across so far hasn't, you know, I, I've seen, I've seen so many different oranges, you know, as far as the, you know, from original orange bud or then the Calio and then, um, you know, more recently the Tangy stuff. And then one that I've really come across that I'm in love with is this Tropicana cookies. So I'm not sure. I think there might be something to it as far as the orange is all about flavor and uh, that that just blow your mind smell like when you open a bag. I mean, if you if you're not a very you know big smoker and you haven't seen that before, most people think that something skunky's that smell they relate that to pot. You 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 put a bag of orange bud underneath someone's nose, especially a female that hasn't smoked or doesn't smoke, and they're blown away. Like they 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 can't believe that it's coming from a weed plant. You know, so so I think that. What's going on here is this, just like I said, the Tropicana cookies. Well, there you go. It's got some sort of some sort of orange or something crossed to a cookie plant. Well, maybe the cookies is just bringing that extra potency and, and making it a, a more of a uh, well worthwhile strength. Yeah, that's so funny. I was um I was at Bob Hempel's house and I saw a jar uh, Tropicana cookies and I pulled it out and I smelled it. I was like, oh my god, this smells like tangy cookies. I was like, what's it made of? He goes, oh, tangy cross cookies. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. Um, you so, guessed it. Yeah. So I mean, but you did too, right? You you hit it on the head. You like orange cross cookies. Yeah. No. It's it's there's there's the one there's this one that circulates called the 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 mountain trop cut or something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but that one to me it's got even more of a like a fruit punch, like a like a red candy. You know, like like cherry, strawberry, red kind of candy crossed with the orange, uh, tangy smell with something else. I mean, it just creates a whole new kind of a flavor profile. So, man, I don't know what it is, but like I said, these these orange strains, whatever they are, they they all they all seem like they have a place in uh, what we want to have. You know, in the, in what we want to smoke on. Yeah, definitely. And just another point you quickly mentioned, and I want to kind of delve into this a little deeper, is you said when you, for example, you show a, a girl who doesn't smoke much this uh, this orange-smelling weed and they get amazed, certainly experienced that myself where people are just blown away by it. And I thought a little more about it and kind of what I was thinking is I think that it happens with more than just the tangy because there's been a few strains where, you know, maybe it smells like bang on blueberry or bang on a mango, you know, really accurate, like not around, but like perfectly smells like that. I think that um, 
I think that there's something that goes on in the mind where it's kind of like you get wowed by the fact that you're looking at something, but it smells like something else. And there's like this miscomputing kind of factor there because you know that like it shouldn't smell the way it does. Um, with that in mind, do you think that it's kind of like a, a worthwhile endeavor to breed for that specific thing? Or do you think that it's just like, nah, it's not really worth pursuing in that regard? I think that back in the day, there was a lot more premise with the whole, you know, I mean, the, the names were given names because of why they smell. Like, for instance, blueberry is called blueberry, and we named it was named that because of how closely it resembles either the real blue, like a blueberry muffin or artificial blueberry candy, whatever, you know what I mean? And that, that I'm not sure that we're steering away from that because, like, for instance, citrus farmer, it's the name implies, you know, you're growing something with citrus. But sometimes people, I don't think we're necessarily sitting around and waiting till the very end and, you know, I mean, we're testing, we're, we throw all this weed out on the table, we start rolling stuff up and we're like, oh, man, this one smells like mangoes. Okay, then we're going to call it mango this now. Like, I feel like nowadays we're doing things a little bit different and just trying to be the first to come up with this creative name before someone else can steal it. Because with all the breeders and everyone making stuff now, it's almost hard to be original. Like, it took me three times recently to come up with a strain because every time I named it and thought I'd come up with something awesome, here we are with someone else who'd already named it that. So you kind of have to be really creative and just kind of come up with something that makes sense but doesn't necessarily resemble what you're going to get in the end product. Tropicana cookies, that one, obviously, you, you like you said, man, this smells like trop. It's like a tropical cookie or a citrus with the cookie. It's spot on. So that's that would go under the uh, uh, perfectly named category, whereas some of the stuff I've released, you know, I, I have Palpatine, like, so it smells like an old man in a cloak on a on a ship. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it, it's just named that because it was it was just a play on words with with the with the lineage. So I mean, there's there's definitely names that 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 reflect end results or end end uh, smells, and I think that's something that I I I feel should be paid a little bit more attention to. Um, some woman told me the brandy wine that I presented to her. She says I'm a chef. I don't smoke pot. This smells to me exactly like fresh. It, it was either mango or some sort of fruit, and I I had never thought of it that way. I was stuck on that. Well, it's got kind of a a fresh floral dank smell, and she's like, "No, it smells like mangoes." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's everyone's got their own opinion. I think that some sometimes I almost feel like having a, a blind taste test panel and someone like where where people that don't smoke you put all your weed in front of them and let them decide hey what does this smell like because you get a completely different uh, feedback and a completely different uh, uh, result than what you were looking for I mean I, I, I've done it already with people that don't smoke and it's hilarious what they say compared to someone who's who's who just gives you the average answer oh it smells dank bro or that smells like weed or you know it's this smells like this or skunky or whatever no like you start hearing things that you never would have thought of so i feel like when when it comes to breeding that might be something that we all might want to get back into is trying to get closer to what does it actually really smell or taste like but that'll that we there's only so many things we can name it like then we'd already be already past like all the existing fruits and 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 vegetables and <laughs> everything <laughs> so i don't even know what, how it would be original with that but we'll we'll figure it out one way or another we raise a really valid point about being original with names and it's getting to the point where it's it's crazy as you said you know you had to go back to the drawing board three times and we even see some people admittedly not common or from the biggest breeders but you see some some breeders will put up a list of names before they've even made the crosses. They're like, all right, reserving these ones now. 
You know what I mean? I've, like, been, I've done it myself. <laughs> yeah. like I mean, it, it's kind of like cutthroat. Like, you got to get in there quick. What do you think will be the end solution? Because eventually, you know, like we're going to be doing <laughs> rolling over dog next to puddle, you know, just like ridiculous stuff that hasn't been taken. Like. <laughs> It, dude, I don't know, man. It, it's to me, it's it, it's kind of a. It, it goes back to the respect thing. For instance, I put I put up something recently that said Arctic grape. I thought I was original. I looked it up. I couldn't find it anywhere. Well, it turns out Red Eye Genetics has already had this strain. Not only do they have it, it's already flowered out and they're done. Whereas I'm just starting to test and just getting done with my first test of it. So for me, I'm like, well, they've got it. They're ready to release. Who am I to step in front of them and say, no, I'm keeping that name? It's kind of like, well, you guys got it. You're ready to go. Have fun with it. So. That's kind of how it is. And I think that having strains that have the same name as someone else, that's that's a shot in the foot. That's not going to help you. It's not going to help me. Some Someone walks into a club or starts buying seeds or telling you what their favorite strain is, and they're like, oh, I really like this. And they're like, well, which one? From Do you like that one from these guys, or do you like it from those guys better? And it's like, is it is it really hurting anybody? I'm not sure, but I think it would just make a lot more sense and be a lot easier on all of us if we just had one, one person who's known for their strain, like – I'm not going to, like, you're not going to come, another person's not going to come out with Docido tomorrow. Not only would you create so much of a headache to yourself by trying to do that, but it's just like, why would you name it something that's already become famous with someone else? You know what I mean? It just, it just, it's kind of like, it's just pointless. So I think, yeah, we really should focus on trying to, you know, be original, but also just when it comes down to just, it, it, it's whoever's quick, the quickest or the most creative person wins, whoever was first to uh, put it out there. And, and yeah, I don't know, I guess naming strains before it's even done is that is that good or not well i don't know because if you wait till the end before it's you know when it's done and then you name it then that name could be taken and you're stuck trying to figure out a name when you got something that's ready to release and it becomes a pain in the ass for marketing and 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 trying to get stuff into production yeah totally so uh people may not be aware but we've been we've been talking about doing this one for a while i've got to ask this question because i started writing these questions a long time ago and this one's been on the list it was like the very first one i wrote and it's it's a little out there but we're gonna do it um a little birdie told me that back when you were working at gdp you know so this is nothing about you obviously that bay 11 won an award Someone told me that what got entered in the cut wasn't actually Bay 11. It was actually Appalachia, which is one of the parents of Bay 11. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, get, ready for, get ready for the spilt milk. Uh, there, there was multiple things that happened while working under Grande. And I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus or talk any shit, but let's, let's keep it real here. Facts are facts, and I'm a very factual person. I don't like liars. I don't like taking claims for things that are not true, and I sure as hell don't like misrepresenting strains when it comes to awards. I feel like all that stuff goes into karma, and, and if, you're, if you think that by lying about your, your plants and lying about what you're entering just to win a cup is going to help you in the long run, well, where's granddaddy now? So there, there's your answer. But what happened was Bay 11, apparently Bay 11 plant was uh, AKA Appalachia. It was stolen from Bodie from uh, 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 an ex garden worker or some guy that had access to Bodie's plants at his, at his facility. He supposedly took this plant and brought it to Ken and then they changed the name to Bay 11. Bay was their head growers name and he you know, he got credit for that one and called it Bay 11. I'm not sure why. I mean, it sounds cool, I guess, but I, I don't know much more than that other than the fact that, yeah, it was uh, it was straight up Appalachia, entered as Bay 11, and then 
Uh, just like back in the day, what the way you do it, you market these strains, you enter the cup, and then guess what happens right after the cup? You release the seeds. Well, it's kind of hard to release, you know, what you just entered in the cup when you got the what entered the cup was a clone only. So they crossed everything with their male GDP or whatever they had, and then. Bay 11 seeds were, were born. So really, in all reality, anyone who bought Bay 11 was more than likely buying Appalachia times uh, GDP or GDP bag seed at that, excuse me, because it's not even pure GDP. Pure GDP is a clone only as well. So it kind of it's kind of a mess. And then to go to get further more into that, let's 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 go into the uh, let's go into the very next cup after that. The very next cup was uh, was one while I was there. We won third place for Ken's Phantom. Ken's Phantom is uh, our beloved Pink Champagne. So Pink Champagne was gifted to uh, Granddaddy Perp Collective in 2011 or 2012, whatever it was. And it was then grown out and that was entered into NorCal Cup, San Francisco or wherever it was. Um, I believe it was 2012. And it was entered as Ken's Phantom and it was straight up Pink Champagne again. Another strain gifted to their collective and then turned into something else. They won with it that time, and then sure enough, right after that, uh, seeds are then released, and it's uh, it's it's the lineage on the pack said uh, uh, cherry pie times GDP, and still to this day, I get messages or someone's like, hey, so I know that the Phantom uh, or Ken's Phantom Kush or whatever, no, not Phantom Kush, the Phantom Cookies or whatever it was, I'm I get confused now because there's so much nonsense that's associated with it, but one way or another, it was it was not pure. Uh, pink champagne it was not the same thing entered as the cup which then leads me to my next uh bit of uh spilt milk was the uh their candyland entry they won first place for candyland that again was either animal cookies or forum cut or platinum cookies whatever cut that came through their collective was turned in as candyland when in all reality it was just pure cookies Oh man, my pack of Candyland's bogus. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't think that way. It's still good. I promise you. The, the seeds that were made were were cookies crossed to GDP. I mean, there was some really good finds cool. out of there. But but <laughs> no, I like that. That's some good good spilt milk. Um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, see, High and Lonesome was another guy off the forums, and he kind of got into me when I, because I was, I was Granddaddy Perp Rip. I was, that was the guy behind the, behind the company online. So everyone was like, yo, that's some bullshit. I'm like, I agree with you, but what can I do about it? I'm just the spokesperson. I'm not the breeder. I'm not the guy that made it. I, I'm not the one turning stuff in. I'm not the one making these horrible decisions. So, it was uh, it was kind of a pain in the ass because I'm sitting there being being the poster child for Granddaddy, and I had to take all the heat all the time. Uh, That's what got old too, because there's nothing worse than getting yelled at for something you didn't do. Yeah, totally, man. I feel for you. Oh well, good to be out of those days. Yes, very much so. So something the fans always keen to hear about. We are, you know, pretty big on organic growers on the show, probably partly because that's what I am. But I don't think that's what you are. But, you know, to rule the question out, are you organic or synthetics? What's your preferred style of growing? Currently, um, and what I have been doing for the past, shoot, I mean, for years now has been I'm, I'm a cocoa grower. I prefer pure cocoa core, no, no additives, nothing, just straight pure cocoa core. Usually it's house and garden. 
um, cocoa. Um, sometimes it's just whatever's available, but you got to watch the salts. Um, the salt buildup in that cocoa sometimes is really, really bad. And you end up going into, it just looks like straight lockout for weeks until you get it flushed out. And I don't, I don't really like that. So I tend to go with a little bit higher end cocoa. And then from there, I use Mills Nutrients. I have a couple additives I've been playing with, but for the most part, Elite, Elite 91, uh, for roots and stuff like that. And then, um, my mills and mills does have some organic stuff in it, but for the most part, it's, it's a synthetic nutrient. Cool. And like, how do you feel about this one? Because I've always had this interesting perspective where I've never had anyone give me like really, really, really good synthetic stuff. Obviously I'm in Australia, so, you know, a bit of a different game, so to speak. Do you feel the same? Like, how do you feel about that? Do you just think it's not, not really much of a difference to you? To really, it, it, it comes down to I love weed. So if someone presents me something, hydro, dirt, promix, I mean, I don't care what you grow and if you know how to grow and you do a good job and you bring me something that I don't, I don't have to completely destroy the bud to get the smell out of it, um, I can obviously look at it and tell that it was grown with love. You trimmed it up nicely. You didn't bring me wet weed. I mean, there's 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 so much that goes into it. But I mean, organic. I had some of my some of the best tasting pot has been organically grown. Uh, I mentioned Captain Crip earlier. I tried some of his blueberry and some of his. Uh, he had a strain called Superfruit back in the day, and I it's extinct now, as far as I know. I don't think anyone's got Superfruit anymore. But that was one of the tastiest. Like I cannot describe how good that plant was, and it's I don't know where it's at anymore if it's gone or whatever. But again, I believe I believe everything he grew was organic. Um, there was. There was uh, a few other gentlemen that brought me samples, and again, organic was was absolutely killer. But just because you grow organic doesn't mean you're going to have good taste in weed. Like if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to play or build that soil and get that stuff out of there, and and, and make sure it doesn't show up in the end. Then, you know, I mean, you're going to have you're going to have some harsh tasting, you know, stuff that's not that great anyway. So I think depending on who who's growing it and if they have their if they've got their their system dialed in, then I truly. I, I don't really have a preference, honestly. I, I just I love smoking weed. So if it's got good flavor and it's got some good smell, then sometimes even when plants don't have the best flavor, and I can tell it either wasn't flushed necessarily correctly or not, but it's got an extremely good smell, I end up smoking it anyway because I just I can't get over that that smell. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you on that one. So one thing I just want to quickly ask because you brought it to my mind when you mentioned um, Captain Cripp's name. Another name that Phantom or Pink Champagne, sorry, I should stop saying Phantom, Pink Champagne, um, that it goes by is Kryptonite. Have you heard that? And do you know where it maybe comes from? I did. Yes. I don't I don't know who gave it that name or what, but like that, the, and, and this is, this goes along earlier. Like, so we all have the same strain, but for some reason, some guy was like, you know what? I'm growing Pink Champagne, but you know what? I think I like the name Kryptonite better, or I think I like the name uh, Raspberry Kush. Or there's or there's another one that it, it's called Wow, and I can see Wow being a better name for it because every time I've ever grown it, I say Wow. So it's it's like you smell the bag, and I can just see a bud tender going Wow, what is that? And that can, that that would make more sense. But some of these other strains just 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 to throw another name on top of it makes no sense. Like I feel like there's 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 been a lot of that, and it doesn't really help anything. So I'm not sure who decided to dub it Kryptonite, or maybe they didn't. But I know that the guys out of Florida have been calling things kryptonite or crippy or crypto for a long time. So not to confuse it out of Florida or confuse it with an OG Kush or the Triangle or anything, any other story like that. But 
it was i went into a seattle club once and it, they, they had it as kryptonite and i said man that's that's pink champagne i breed with that strain i know that there's there's like i said earlier there's only one strain i've come across that smells like this and it's always pink champagne so what's up and they told me that oh yeah it is it's from the bay area uh not sure where they got that name though so yeah interesting just one of those ones that got attached maybe okay so point you made earlier on and then i sidetracked us but you know i'm taking us back it's all good you kind of liked, and you said you liked the idea of sticking within your own lines. This is a concept I like to explore because not only is it kind of good for picking males, but I don't think enough people really delve into their own females when they're making selections. Is this a conscious decision for you or it just worked out that way? Now, if I understand it correctly, are you asking like how, my, how I'm feeling now about using within my lines? Yeah, and like do you consciously like to say, like let me put it this way, a lot of breeders, they'll use like a list of clone onlys that they breed with and it's like new male to the, that list and they never incorporate females that they've just created whereas you will, you know, this round I've got to keep a brandy uh, wine female and I've got to keep a hot rod and so I'm going to cross the purple vapors to them. You get what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So, so basically, I think that rather than always creating new F1s, which people do want, people want to see the new stuff, they want to see the new hype strains cross to something you've made, that's all good. There's definitely a place for that. But I think what needs to happen also is for you to show enough confidence in what you've created to know that, look, this one was awesome. This, this plant is the shit, and it was crossed to this one, which is another one of my creations, and look what happened. It now created something even better. Um, someone who's really doing this a lot lately, I can I can see it's working out quite well for him. Is uh, exotic. Exotic Genetics has he has put his strains out there to a point where enough people know them. Cookies and Cream that's a household name with everybody, and not just because of the ice cream. Uh, there's there's people growing his tons of his strains and now you see crosses of those strains with this one and that one and they and they're absolutely killer there's there's if you look up the lineage though you can clearly see okay this one's got sherbin this one's got thin mint but in all in all reality what you're staring at is still his creations he has then created there's two strains he made put together and it creates something even better that's awesome but again some people who aren't you know, the most educated or people that don't, maybe they don't know Mike, they might not know what this one is cross to that one. They're looking for, oh, I want the Girl Scout cookie cross to that one. Little do they know Girl Scouts in both plants, but they just don't see that name, so they don't want to buy it. So there, to me, I think there needs to be a little bit of a balance of having having the wedding cakes and, and the and the, the Royal Kush, the, 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 the clone onies that everyone's wanting crossed with stuff that's new and exciting to make a new strain and then also showing people that hey i i'm working my own strains i'm not just always throwing out new stuff i'm back crossing i'm furthering the filial generation by taking them to f2 f3 f4 that's where i want to head i want to get some of my most you know my best my favorites the ones that people have bought out and that are sold out and have been sold out and that I keep getting requests for those ones will be the first to be created again into f2 f3 and further or uh, rebred to you know even just bring them out again so people have access to the beans but definitely want to have a little bit of both and then again like we said earlier something with maybe some feminized down the line I want to have a complete menu but one thing I'll say about my stuff is I haven't released 100 strains I don't release huge lines at one time I, I've released a total of you know I, I want to say like under 20 strains in the four years I've been going um, I don't 
I'm, I mean, and not to say that I'm better than anyone by any means, that could also just mean I'm, I'm way too slow for people. But in my opinion, it's given me enough time to represent what I've got and given people enough time to where they can have uh, a chance to grow every one of my strains before I've dropped another 50 on them, you know? So that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm heading. I want to make it to where there's enough strains that, that people are interested in, but also there's stuff there that makes me relevant and, and we can still get stuff that's, uh, you know, exciting and new to people. Yeah, an approach I certainly can see the value in. You banged it. You actually banged it on the head when you when you were said, "Oh, you know, one person who's having success with this," and I'm like, "Exotic genetics, exotic genetics." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give you a bit of a test now. I think that there's a little bit of an issue in the scene, and it's I'm not the one bringing this up, so I'm certainly not taking credit, nor am I the first to talk about it. But I think there's a bit of an issue within the scene of some of the breeders, certainly not yourself, who use like just the same females, you know, the same clone onlys. And so, everyone's got a cross of this, everyone's got a cross of that. How do you feel about that? Do you do you see that problem yourself? And in my mind, here's the test, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking of one specific clone only that everyone's just breeding with at the moment. I, I want to know, know if you can guess it. So, if we're talking about Purple Punch, then uh, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Oh, uh, no, you know what? That wasn't, but it perfectly fits the category. I'll give you one more guess. It's not Pebble Punch. Oh, man. So, if it's not Punch, then God, what, are, um, what is it? Boy, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm, I don't, I'd have to think. I, I'm sure I know, but it's just it's not coming to my mind right this second. I've I got to give you consolation prize because Purple Punch fits the description so bloody brilliantly. But <laughs> and, and again, you know, I'm not having to go GMO. Oh yeah, okay. There we go. Yes. So, and and that's you know what is so funny about GMO? No, hardly anybody gives any credit to to the creator. The breeder is Mamiko Seeds or Mamiko or however you pronounce it. And I've heard a couple things here and there, and I'm not going to get into that story. But what I do know is, if you are the man who made those seeds, and those seeds then were you know someone found something gmo as it's dubbed from those seeds that breeder should still be getting as much credit as the guy that found that clone only now skunk master i'm sure he has and he's given out you know plenty of you know, of of praise to mamiko and these other people that could have been involved but i think he is killing it he's got some good things going on that guy's taking stuff to another level with his breeding so good for him and i think that he really did put a put the the name to gmo so just like girl scout cookies and some of these other ones that have been highly bred with uh everyone's jumping on jumping on the um the gmo bandwagon but there's so many people that love it i mean it's it's a great strain it's got it's got some power it's got some stank that just is unmatched and it really is uh it's 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 a decent plant, so I, I get why a lot of people are breeding with it. But at the same time, what's kind of cool is even though there could be 20, 20 different breeders out there that have a Gorilla Glue, a Purple Punch, a GMO Cross, a Girl Scout, we all may have it, but what we don't have and what sets us all apart is that male selection. So that's what's going to give you the different effects because even though we've all got a GMO, you might end up with some GMO dominance in each one of those crosses, but – what you're also going to get is the mix of flavors that you, you might not have expected and what really could end up uh, bringing some cool things to the table. So everyone's got their own their own cross, and we all get credit for it. But, yeah, GMO is – that one's definitely making its waves now. Yeah, for sure. So this is going to be a bit of a weird question, but I'm kind of interested in discontinued strains. 
Some breeders out there do it because maybe they've just lost interest in selling the strain. Maybe it didn't sell that well. You know, there's a whole variety of reasons. Most of the time, I always find it's not the obvious reason, which is like there was maybe some issues with the strain or something like that. Um, Anyway, what type of things do you think about if you were to consider discontinuing a strain? Like, do you just think like, oh, if it just didn't really impress me that much and it didn't make much of a splash, I'd probably discontinue it. Like, how does that thought process go for you? That's, I mean, you pretty much just mentioned, or just said it. Like, I think, so my original grandpa's breath line, there was, there was, I think there's 10 or 11 that I released, um, lost soul. Swamp Thing, Purple Vapor, East uh, Jersey Mike, the ones that had the popular mothers, you know, the OGs, the GDP, the the East Coast Diesel, those ones, uh, and then my Hot Rod, the Hot Rod had the motor breath in it. Anything that's got the real popular, um, you know, gassy female, it seems like it went the quickest, but at the same time, some of these other ones like Palpatine, it's got the Death Star in it, and so that leads me to believe, is there something with the name? that makes it not sell very good is it something with you know what what exactly is it going on where because i don't see as many people growing it it's so it sells great people have bought a ton of the seeds but it's very few and far between that i'm posting a, a palpatine picture compared to a brandy wine or some of these other ones that have really made a, a big splash so that's where i gotta ask myself is this something that i want to continue to bring out and then maybe make another you know f2s of it or even further on and then offering to people if it hasn't really done that well in first place i don't know i think i need to do like a feedback like a, a like a poll and see what people think because at this point like you mentioned i'm going to be judging you know what what to continue based on popularity that's it like if it's sold out and i and the, the ones i'm getting messaged about all the time swamp thing lost soul Purple Vapor, those ones were great. I know that. And then ones that haven't even sold out yet, Brandywine, and actually Grandpa's Breath, finally, the original F2, not the different versions, but the original F2 is finally all the way gone. Um, and and I'll be making F3s of that soon. And then, and then that's going to create a whole new thing. But that one in general will always be held dear to my heart because it's what started the company. But some of these other ones, I just feel like they'll kind of fall off because they either – yeah, they either weren't as popular or I just didn't see – like every show I'm at, like I mentioned, I get people coming by with, with samples. Some Sometimes if I just never get brought in a sample, I'm like, that just again tells me that no one's growing this strain or it just it wasn't that great. So that's another reason why I guess I would just ditch something is if it just never showed up and I don't see anyone with it, then obviously it didn't – it wasn't that special. Yeah, totally. So just a quick little side note on the topic of special – How's your little special seedling vial going? Oh, the vial. Shoot, man. Yeah, I I have to talk to my buddy. I, I'm not sure. That was all a joke, man. I mean, it wasn't ever meant to be something that was going to be going or like it was literally a joke. And then there was so much, um, a lot of stuff got brought into that. Like, I don't know if you're uh, well, well aware, but there's been, I, I seem to attract a certain amount of, uh, I don't want to say negativity because that's kind of a bad look, but I mean, there's sometimes my posts can get a little bit crazy as far as what's said in them and what's going on. And, and something as simple as me showing off a vial with a seed in it and saying, look what happened. This popped in the, in the, uh, in the washer. I wasn't in by any means. I was not trying to diss anybody or saying, look, we can pop my seeds in a, in a, in a, in a, in a washer machine. You can't get them to pop. You, you suck. 
there was no there was no negativity attached. I wasn't trying to bash anybody, but for some reason, some people decided to take it that way and say, "Oh, okay, so you just here you are talking shit about us that can't get your seeds to crack." And I'm like, "Nope, not at all." But for some reason, it went that way. But that that vile thing, if it's still alive, uh, it, it was literally it was just a funny fluke. It was an accident, and it, I just thought it was hilarious to show that it was actually growing. I thought, how amazing a uh, 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 seed is so so like wants to grow so bad that it that it continues to live inside of a basically like a little test tube yeah and no, i agree i thought it was awesome i figure if if i had that seed i would, I would grow it out just because it's like man you earned it like <laughs> exactly i i need to i need to call him up and see you know hey is that thing still going and if so what did what did you do with it but i i don't know he he's funny he might still have it he might not but it was all it was all just supposed to be just a look at this isn't this cool and it wasn't supposed to be anything negative attached and some reason it did so i ended up uh i don't know if i don't know if i deleted the post or just turned off commenting but one one way or another it was like it went south real quick yeah that's full on i'm pretty sure i sussed it out and like didn't seem like you i'm pretty sure what the comment you had said on it was really quite neutral but people will interpret things the way they will right yeah it's ex- exactly but i mean i'm really not a jerk i i try to be anyone that's ever met me they they know i can joke around a lot or whatever but i definitely don't insult anyone just just because that's not that's not me yeah fantastic so just talking on like a bit of a weird topic, but it's one we used to talk about a lot. It kind of died off. Seed tampering used to be kind of like a hot topic, but as I said, it's fallen off, probably due to the fact that a lot of people have adopted more sophisticated methods of packaging and trackaging and authenticity. Is this something you hear about and something you are, how should I say, legitimately concerned about anymore? For me, it 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 was always a hard one because you have a guy who as seed as the guys releasing the seeds we're 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 giving them to these guys at at a at a cost to where they're going to make their money off of it so if you think about it i'm selling my own brand this guy's selling up to 10 15 he, he i guess you can't put it past anybody because everyone's conscience is a little bit different than the other guy but for a man that could be making as much money as you could by selling so many brands of seeds, I don't see why, for any reason, why you would take out any of those seeds and try and switch them out to have someone grow them out. Because some of these guys' breeds, for instance, Tropicana cookies, like we mentioned earlier, or even some of my own creations, if you grow that out, there's certain things that are expected and they've been tested and we've seen what they grow. So all of a sudden, some guy says, yo, I grew out your you're this or that and it looks super funny or it doesn't have you know what i was expecting all you do it where'd you get those from the next thing you know the guy's called out it didn't it wouldn't take very long that scheme would only work for so long before you get called out but honestly i think that uh with with the seed tampering i mean i think that there's definitely some shadiness that goes along with it i think some guys might have done something like that but with with my gear i haven't had anyone send me pictures of anything or show me something that didn't make me feel like um there was uh you know any issue at all but like i like i mentioned i i started using the can verify stickers so from here on out if you can't give me a qr code or show me that you know give me the number off the back of your pack then that's it's not really anything i can do but for the most part all my stuff will be will be fully verifiable yeah awesome 
So, how do you feel about the idea of outsourcing a crop? The reason why I bring this up is because in the past, few people who have had some issues with some seed crops, generally, that's one possible reason. You know, they'll say, oh, well, you know, I had someone make the crop for me. Not kind of in the way that you mentioned with a friend, but as in like they pay another company to do it. Is this something which you think is acceptable? And, you know, because a lot of people will say that when you get to a certain size, you've got to look at things like that. Or do you think that that's just not the type of thing you would be willing to do you you're actually like talking about stuff i'm i'm currently seeking i'm i'm working on this right now what i what i touched on earlier was not having enough room and not not having enough area to do these things and 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 with the current legal status of where cannabis is a lot of these states are requiring you to be a licensed up um producer processor or somehow have a licensed facility to grow medical is still alive and thriving in some states but even then you're not you're not allowed to just grow ungodly amounts of plants i mean you have to be in with with whatever your state's requirements are so to 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 move forward with that and the idea is to find people you can partner up with who yes are in these other states and have facilities ready to go um i've built relationships with with some people in um michigan um in oregon california obviously up here in washington state um i've got a guy who's in um uh, uh, Nevada. Um, there's these, all these places have the potential to, um, give me a little bit of room to breed. I know there's other guys out there that are doing this and this is how they've become so successful and how they're able to produce as much as they are. But one thing I can tell you is, whereas I, some people are, are wanting to have the bigger space so they can produce more and more and more and more. I'm literally looking to just have more area to breed with and bring back stuff and work on the things I've already got. I don't want a hundred new projects, but I do want to release the ones I mentioned earlier, getting them back into a, uh, to fur- further generations of them. And then also making new crosses. Um, that's all good, but I, I still, I really want to focus on, on certain things. And, but that's with these extra spaces, that'll give me the opportunity to do so. So as long as you've got a good relationship with these guys, I think it, it's a, it's a winning combination for them to open up some space for you to, uh, to do it. And then also, I think they see the value because to, for them to have a new strain that they can then have a selection of that is your cut or your, what you're standing behind and saying, Hey, this is one of my keepers from this crop or from this from the seed line, they they are then allowed to have that, uh, you know, that plant, and, and it sets them apart from someone else because they've got something no one else has. Yeah, most certainly. So this is kind of more on the mechanics of breeding, but do you ever do anything different when you are doing a seed crop versus, say, a sensi crop in regards to, say, like nutrition or lighting or just anything, you know? Now, for the most part, I, I'm growing exactly how I would with any other thing. Um, I can say that when when growing when growing your sensi, obviously you're going you're trying to make the absolute best thing possible. You want to make sure you're hitting every single um, every single feeding right. You want to make sure that those things are coming out ten out of ten. You, not to shy away from you know saying that you shouldn't have a perfect crop by any means, but um, I think that with a seed crop, you could be allowed and it's very forgiving if you were to feed a little bit less nutrients because you know the plant's trying to produce the seed, not necessarily the uh, the uh, the best looking flowers. But um, I think it's a good principle to probably try and grow the healthiest plant you can, wh- whether you're growing for seeds or not. But I think that in, in doing so, you could probably uh, uh, maybe schedule back a little bit on the uh, – 
on the uh, nutrients and some other stuff that you normally would do because it might not, it doesn't necessarily require it as much. But as long as your plant's in good health and you, you see yourself producing everything you're looking to do, then it should be fine, yeah? Yeah, killer. So an idea I love to run by all breeders is where do aesthetics or, you know, bag appeal as generally referred to, where does this rate for you? Is this something you constantly got in the forefront of your mind when you're making a cross or is it really kind of an afterthought? It's probably one of the first things because to me, like I mentioned earlier, I said something about, um, uh, you know, having having strains that set you apart. You go into the dispensary and they've already got, you know, they've already got something or, or whatever. Well, if you have, um, if you've got something that just right from the beginning, they they look at your jar, they see that you open your bag and it's just shining, or it has a certain color, or it has something to the look of it. I I, I see. There's a certain type of. Uh, there's this some weed I've seen that has the hairs come out kind of a puffy look and it kind of just it wraps around the bud the, the the hairs are not very loose from the uh, from the actual flower so th- it has a real tight look to it I've seen buds like that and they literally always stand out to me there's just a certain look that I that I can say that I've always really loved about some some types of uh, pot now. I feel the same way as far as dispensaries go. They want to see something that's going to stand out to the next person. But also, the smell can can really take you away from that because, you know, this another hyped-up strain, Skittles. The Skittles cut that's going around, It I've more times than not have seen it where it doesn't necessarily look like the highest quality flower. But that smell and flavor are so incredible that it's you forget about the looks of it real quick. You just want to smoke another joint. So... Um, I think there's a lot of strains out there that are like that. They may not be the prettiest, but damn, the the high it produces and the um, the smells that are coming off of the plant are are worth growing it in general. So I I do ho- really hold um, the bag appeal high on my on my scale of what I'm looking for with stuff, but also um, you know taste, smell, you know, all that stuff comes into play just as much. So um, it's kind of like the trifecta, you know, it kind of needs to be all of the above, you know, cause if it's lacking one or the other, then it really just makes it, you know, either really nice weed without a kick or really good looking pot. That's got plenty of high, but there's zero flavor. It's like, you kind of want all of them. Yeah. Well-rounded. So talking on the topic of the Skittles, Emerald cut the last few years has been dominated by it. Have you got any special surprises or kind of exciting releases in store for the Emerald cup this year? Definitely. So there, there's going to be, I'll have my, my, uh, the white wine, the, that line will be there. So the white Tahoe cookie times brandy wine, that sh- that one will be ready by then. Uh, we're going to have, uh, the pine fruit, which is a ghost OG, um, uh, purple vapor that should be ready to go by then. Hopefully my, uh, uh, the tangy wine should be ready to go. Um, which is that the citrus farmer brandy wine, um, there, there will be a few surprises. I'm, I'm trying to, like I said, I, I don't want to put anything out in a hurry. I'm trying to just release stuff that, that's, you know, that we know um, will pass the test of time as far as popularity and people enjoying what they're buying. You know, I don't want people to, um, you know, spend hard-earned money and then not, not be impressed with what they're, what they're growing. Yeah, no, that sounds like a good little ethos to have for yourself. So, Vinny, uh, sorry, Vino OG. My apologies, Vino OG. Not very well known about extremely limited number of packs. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about it and why you decided to work with it? So Vino is, I mean, if if 
if I take everything that man has told me uh, as as truth, then what he's told me is he 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 knew some of the guys from from Cookie Fam, uh, so he knew Jigga or had had been in contact with him at some point. They're all from the Bay. Um, I guess there was. Um, the original batch of seeds or whatever that came from those guys who had, you know, when they made the Girl Scout cookies, there was certain seeds that were, you know, handed out to some people. Some were given out, you know, without any, you know, colleges here, you go try these out, whatever. There was some people that grew them out and found them. So for instance, OGKB came from that line. The OGKB is from the original, uh, cookies line. It's just another plant that popped up, uh, so that's something that's not – I mean, some people don't realize that. And then another, um, apparently, according to um, Mary Jane Wines, the Vino OG cut, which he does have that cut alone, uh, supposedly came from uh, Girl Scout cookie seeds. Interesting. And so do you see that similarity yourself or are you just kind of taking the, the story on face value? Uh, a little bit of both. So growing it out myself, I only grew it out the one time. The pure vino was grown out one time, and to me, I feel like it was. Um, there could be some cookies in it. It wasn't. It wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't pure cookie form by any means. But a, a lot of stuff I found when growing um, um, stuff from the Girl Scout is you do you do get Girl Scout cookie uh, obvious um, domination in some some effects, but then there's um. There's some that come out that literally just have a completely different thing going on. And I think his one, the vino, obviously means wine in Italian. And I believe that's the what he was going with was it's more of a uh, more of a uh, kind of a Merlot type of thing going on. There's a definitely a, sort of a musky kind of a wine sort of smell, I, I suppose. Yeah, interesting. And so can we expect to see it appearing in some of your crosses going forward? Uh, to be honest, probably, probably not. I don't even have the cut anymore. And, and, uh, he, that's something that's, that's his, I mean, I, I, I could get it back at any time and check it out again. But like I said, I've, I've got, there's, it's almost to a point, when does it stop? At what point do you, do you, do you quit with having so much stuff? Um, um, yeah, but there's, there's, there's something that I would imagine there being, um, maybe down the line or something from him but it's like uh just it's one of those things like i i'd like to probably use it down the line but it's just there's just so many freaking projects to do it's like i don't even know how to get in i mean there's just where do i start you know so i like i definitely have um you know a lot of plans in the works but that, that one really isn't on the uh on the to-do list right now yeah totally understandable so kind of you know talking about the emerald cup how do you feel about the quantity of cannabis cups we have these days? Do you feel like there's a good amount? Do you feel like maybe we're a little oversaturated? And what's your favorite one? Uh, hands down, Emerald Cup is my favorite go-to show right behind the High Times Michigan. Um, the reason I like the High Times Michigan show so much is other than when Colorado was still going on, that that was – that was my favorite place to go to. There was, it was, I had such good feedback from my strains there. So many people were interested in it. They all had heard of me. So I, I always did really well when I did those shows. Now the same goes for Michigan. Every time I go there, I can go twice a year in the same summer, um, two different times and do, do really well both times. And people are still, um, very welcoming of me and, 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 um, you know, really showing me a lot of love. Emerald cup, obviously that is the, 
it's your number one spot to go to just because of uh, um, the scene. I mean, you have everybody there is, is coming to shop for their next season seeds. You see people from every demographic, but but literally a ton of older people, older gentlemen walking with their wives. Um, I, I've even seen women that look like they were sent down there by their by their their husband and or boyfriend. They they got their mud boots on. They've got a they've got like a basket that they're just filling up with their seeds that they're buying for the next year. It's a, I get a kick out of it. I've I've had conversations with with men in front of my booths. They're just sitting there jiving to the music for an hour while we all sit there and talk weed. It's crazy, man. It's it's just an awesome show to be at. And I do think that there can be. I think a lot of people are kind of quick to jump on the let's have a cannabis cup and we'll just make a ton of money off these people. Um, and the funny part about it is you'll have th- these people that say they want to put on these shows. They'll, they'll supposedly buy this stuff. They're going to get everything going. They buy permits, they do whatever, and then come to find out that, oh, guess what? You're not even allowed to have the show in general. So we just paid them money and then they'll want to have us hold a credit or they'll want to pay us back later in time. And it's like you guys took all of our money and didn't even know if you're having a show. So that's been the case. I've had that happen before. I've I've seen it happen with even some of these big companies. Yeah, that's scary. So it's yeah, it's 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 crazy. But no, I don't know. I think that I think it's good to have shows. I don't know if there's a certain amount that 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 you know, you know, there's too many. Um, they've actually been shutting them down left and right because it just doesn't go with the legalization. You know, you're just not supposed to be public consumption. Um, you're not supposed to be sales of cannabis, and so you end up having a lot of people that were using these shows as basically a, a, a table to just sell their their products from. That's no longer allowed at a lot of these places. The last show I was at in June um, for High Times for the NorCal show, it was an empty, it was totally empty scene. Like you, you're used to seeing so many booths everywhere popping up, and less and less people are able to attend because they're not licensed up yet. They're not, they don't have the uh, proper um, paperwork, and they therefore they can't sell. Yeah. Okay. So where do you see the overall industry heading over the next five years? And do you think that large-scale legalization is going to occur and potentially ruin things? Man, I think it kind of goes – I think there's good that's coming from it because everything, everything in life is changing. There's steady change coming with everything. Do we all agree with it? Not necessarily, but – is it good? Yes, because it's also given us a, an opportunity to not just be a guy who's who claim I have a company, but it's not necessarily a legal company. But I kind of make money off it. No, I'm 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 involved in something where I'm paying my taxes. I'm I have a full legitimate business out of this, and it's something I want to see myself grow more and more with. And I think that the 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 theme of cannabis cups might get smaller as far as just a huge group of people selling pot out of a you know their different booths and doing that way but i think that those are fun and i think it's awesome it should be a part of it but i think they'll get smaller and smaller as far as having more of a kind of an underground network of uh, cups where it's more of a private scene because that's where it all started anyway was it was more of a smaller scene if people turned in their buds and those people would judge the cannabis based on what we are seeing right there at face value, not some judges behind a closed door and then given the award to the most, you know, the, the, the biggest highest paying vendor, which seems to be the case. Um, so I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's good and bad, but I think that the overall legalization is going to draw us to more shows that are more like the Canacon and more of like convention style where there's no smoking, there's no vending of any cannabis products, but more or less shaking hands and using it as a tool to network your brand and really, you know, meet and greet and kind of get people turned on to what you have to offer. But all of that stuff is going to be, you know, 
getting things out of your local dispensaries or out of the different rec stores that are available in your state. But hopefully Dungeons of All Genetics will be something that you can find in every state that's going to legalize and ones that already have. You're slowly seeing more and more of my strains pop up. So I think in the long run here, um, it, it will get to a point where you're going to, you will start seeing brands just like you do Nestle and, and all these other, you know, chocolate companies and big, you know, tobacco and all these different people. You are familiar with those brands and you'll start seeing them in every state and you'll start seeing that with these cannabis brands as well. And I think it's good. But overall, as long as the right people are running it and they're still letting us get a piece of the pie and we're able to operate like we've been doing and, and have a good thing going, then there's nothing to complain about. I was super against legalization at first, you know, but now, I mean, how convenient. I mean, if, if you don't have any weed and you're not growing it at the time, you can really go right down the street and go pick from a hundred different strains. I mean, that's kind of what we always wanted, but there's still a few things that come into play that kind of make it a negative experience. So it's, it's really, I mean, everyone's got their opinion, but I'm kind of, I'm not on the fence. I'm more towards legalization, more um, for the, you know, the, the movement that we're heading in. But at the same time, I can't forget my past. And that was, you know, either black market or being involved in the medical scene where we could pretty much do whatever we wanted, as long as you had, you were falling into that gray area, you know? Yeah, totally. So that brings us to the last little section of the show where we've got our quick fire questions. So last little few, certainly don't take as long to answer, hopefully, but usually people stress out about it. I love it. So first one, what is your favorite strain of weed? Oh my gosh, man, that's, that's tough. Honestly, no, no, hands down. It's gelato. I don't care. I, I, I'll say it. I did gelato 33 gelato 41, which is there's a, there's a company here in Washington state called Canna organics. They do all, um, greenhouse grow. Um, and their gelato is some of the, I, I absolutely love it. There's, and that's another thing that's weird. Washington state, we have very few people that are actually producing the strain gelato in the rec scene. It's very weird. They're one of the only people I've seen that have it. And, and there's a couple other guys that have gelatos, but this one in particular is the, the number 41 cut. And it is, it's amazing. I, I literally love it. I can't get enough of it. Smoke whenever I can find it. But I go down to California. I can get access to the 45. I can get the 30. All these, any anything gelato. It just seems like it has such a good nose to it. Kind of like the sherbet. Um, I think I think Mike has mentioned exotic. Mike has mentioned the sherbet is one of his favorite strains because of the creaminess and the. It's just got everything he loves in his cannabis. I I agree with that. I think the sherbet is another one up there that's got amazing things going for it. So shout out Cookie Fam for making some of our favorite strains that we love to scro- uh, smoke and then crossbreed with. But there's there's a lot of great other ones that, that that have been gone for a while that I haven't seen. Um, for instance, the blue cheese. I don't know who who I don't know which cut. I don't know who had it, which one, who made it, whatever. But there was a blue cheese that was going around for a while, and I absolutely love it. And I missed that one like crazy. But for right now, I'm I'm smoking on. I I love the gelato. That's one of my favorites. So on the flip side, what is the worst strain you've ever had, or just the one that least jives with you? Man, Blue Dream. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, I don't. Uh, man, there's. I don't even. I don't know because just like just like the experience. If it wasn't good, I mean, into the into the uh, not necessarily into the trash bin, but definitely into the trash jar that gets passed to someone who doesn't mind smoking anything that's handed to them. Because if I didn't like it, it it's 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 not something i'm going to hold on to very long so um 
I don't know, man. That's hard. Off the top of my head, what did I just smoke recently that I didn't like? There was something that was given to me at the Michigan Cup that I was just like, man, that was fucking garbage. But I don't, <laughs> I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember what strain it was, and I'm definitely not going to mention it if I did because that's just kind of it could have just been a bad example. I mean, to sit there and say that the strain sucks just because the example I got, yeah, it's not really fair. But I've had my fair share of bad weed. Now, let's just say the worst strain I've ever smoked. How about that? That what I started this interview off with was some of that brown sticks and stems uh, weed, the sh- that swag from uh, uh, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good answer. So, what is a strain that, kind of asked this one earlier in the interview, but a strain that you no longer have access to, but you did in the past that you wish you had back? Hands down, Superfruit from Captain Crip. I don't, I don't, I, I, I was very, uh, I was a big smoker back when I was talking to that guy, 2003, 2004. I came from California, so I knew what good weed was. I knew what I wanted, and, and literally, I, 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 if anybody out there listening has access to superfood or any of the crosses that guy made, hit me up. Um, that literally, to this day, like I don't know what it was, just the smell and overall. Like I, I feel like I, I almost remember getting green sick, but I, it could have been from something else. It wasn't from just smoking his weed, but I mean, it was awesome weed. But it was just I got so baked, combined with something else. I think I threw up that day. But regardless, it was, uh, <laughs> it was just good weed, and I, I really, I think he had, he had something really special there, and I, I. I had the clone at one point, and I lost it because I was young and dumb. And if, if literally, if I could get anything back, that one would probably be it. Um, alongside that, 2003, 2004, I was getting a strain called uh, uh, Northern Lights Skunk Haze. And I know that's a that's a pretty typical cross from the Dutch. I mean, I, I mean, you can get Northern Lights Skunk Hazes everywhere, but the specific combination of that Northern Lights skunk haze and then the the specific pheno that this guy had found was it 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 put it before we use the word loud like oh this strain is loud this guy just it was absolute you could not cruise around with it it would be in your car and you'd be white knuckle driving with uh, driving 35 and and as slow as you can so you don't get pulled over i mean it was if you get pulled over with that weed there's you're you're, it's being found no matter what so there's (laughs) Just there's just certain ones that are just killer, and that definitely was that was one I miss and and really wish I could get back. Fantastic! So, if you could go back to any time in history, any place to collect some seeds, where would you go, and what seeds? Man, probably just because I'm a big Indica fan. I think if I mean, as long as I was accepted, I knew I wasn't going to get kidnapped. I'd probably be somewhere in the Hindu Kush mountain range collecting seeds straight off. Um, plants out of there. I mean, something about Hindu Kush. I had it. I had it a few times back in California, and, and I mean, I don't. I'm not sure if that was pure or real by any means. But if if I knew for certain that I was I was in the Kush mountain ranges and I was able to get a pure Hindu or something similar to that that I could bring back and smoke on, I'd be pretty pretty pumped on that. Um, I mean, again, I mean, all the other ones that people have grown and crossbred and made from you know from back in the day till now. I don't know, but I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that I've probably come across that I really didn't know the smell of that I I could probably um, I'd love to see again, but that one for sure is something just a pure just a real pure Kush that I knew that it, it's as pure as it can get. Nice humble little answer. <laughs> so, what uh, final? Oh no, second last little quick fire question. What is the next little breeding project you're doing that people should be getting excited for? 
man, there's too much, man. I don't know. I think uh, I think probably um, a lot of people have been excited about this lemon grove, this 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 lemon tree times citrus farmer. I think it's going to be something that that provides. Like I mentioned earlier, just something different than your typical tangy orange citrus strain. I think it's going to have a nice combo. The lemon tree is one of those ones that ever since I first smoked it, and excuse me if I'm wrong, but from what I get from it, I believe it's a lemon sour diesel, uh, some sort of mix-up with that, or a uh, bag seed from it, something like that. I could be wrong, but if I remember what reading, it was something had to do with lemon sour diesel. And the LSD from when I used to get it, was it was such an incredible flavor and and it was just it was really it was totally different it wasn't it was there's citrus but it was different all the way around and so that's kind of that's kind of what i'm hoping for that i get out of this strain is that we find something like that that's going to be it's not necessarily the exact same thing but just something that brings just ultimate flavor and has uh a real kick-ass uh kind of a lemon uh orange kind of combination going on there Killer. So, final question: Where can people grab your gear? Man, you gotta you gotta find the one you like. There's there's some people I found of they, they're very loyal to their to their banks that they order from. Some people it's because of credit card processing or whatever they the freebies they get. But um, SOL Seeds, Neptune Seed Bank, OrganEliteSeeds.com, all these different guys who are carrying my gear, all are great people. I've met every single one of them. Um, I, they all stand behind their stuff. They're good guys. Um, there's some other ones that are a little bit smaller banks. If you're in Michigan state, um, great Lake seed bank seed seller, there's a few like that. that you can really just walk in off the street and go have your out options met with uh, almost every bank. Or, I mean, almost every seed you could find in the other bank. So it's kind of cool. Um, other than that, come catch me at a show. Yeah, that's, that'd be the way, right? Direct from the horse's mouth. Fantastic. So, do you have any shout-outs or any comments you'd like to make? Um, man, yeah, you know what? There's uh, shout-out to all my guys, every everyone out there that's helping me uh, test out my seeds, the ones that are growing it, the ones that actually come through with what they say they're going to do. More recently than not, uh, there's a guy named Bonfire Nate. That guy went above and beyond to to not only grow the seeds out, have them tested for for THC, CBD, and uh, terpenes, but also then had cards made to display at a shop that had the picture of the the, uh, the weed and everything I just listed on it. I mean, it's very very few in times you get a touch that goes above and actually spend his own money to make things look even better than he did. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, other than that. Um, the names I've mentioned to, that helped me put me in the position I'm in now. Um, yeah, thank you to everyone. And anyone who supports me, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you all. Awesome. So thanks again so much for taking the time to sit down and share all the knowledge with us. No problem. My pleasure. So there we have it. Huge thank you to Eric from Dungeon Bowl Genetics for taking the time to join us today. And a huge thank you to you guys for taking the time to join us. As always, 420 Australia, organic gardening solutions, and Seeds Here Now. You guys know them, you love them, they're the best. Thank you so much, guys. Best sponsors in the game. Go check them out. Make them feel the love. Patreon gang, what up, gang gang? Love you guys. Let's talk soon in our little private space. See y'all guys later. We'll see you.
啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦啦